This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, WSTers? Happy Tuesday. Game day today. Jets and Devils tonight at Canada Life Center. And the Bombers have touched down in Hamilton, getting ready for the Grey Cup on Sunday against the Montreal Alouettes. This is going to be a great show today. We will touch base with Hammer in the Hammer. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press got there last night. Uh, Randy Ambrosi spoke today. Um, the uh, State of the League address from the commissioner um, with some interesting stuff. We'll kind of chop that up with Remo, uh, but we'll also touch on it with Jeff and look ahead to the week for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we'll also bring in our pal Mo Khan from Montreal, the only media member, I think, outside of Chris O'Leary that picked the Alouettes to win this game, uh, win the game on Saturday and be competing in the Grey Cup. So, um, you know, we'll chop it up. We'll get ready for this Jets game today. And then talk a little CFL then Mike McIntyre will jump on the program just after 2 o'clock. We'll kind of get in-depth on the Jets going into the rest of the week with the game tonight against the Devils and the Friday and Saturday night games. Nice to get some nice weekend games for the Jets. Thank you, schedule maker. Buffalo Friday night, Arizona Saturday night as the Jets continue this five-game homestand. Now 1-1 one and one after the uh, win over the Nashville Predators and the tough 3-2 loss to the Dallas Stars. Um, and in the last half hour of the show, we're going to bring in former NHLer Shane O'Brien, who was yucking it up with uh, Scotty Upshaw on the Missing Curfew podcast. So um, we'll have a little more uh, NHL talk a little later on. We will get to the cool bet lines, uh, but I will tell you that that line has moved in the Grey Cup. Opened at cool bet at 7.5. Just finished up the lock shop with Dustin Nielsen. And uh, it is now eight and a half. And I have a feeling it's going to continue going that way as we get closer to game day. Shout out to everyone that got on the Bombers at minus seven and a half. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, welcome to everybody in chat. Great to see you all here. Hit up, uh, hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. Let's get a good start going on with everyone here at the start of the show. And a big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and Modern Man Barbershop. And uh, I got a few beauty why not questions of the day for you and for Michael Remus, which we'll get to in a minute for Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGillivray. Let's get Remus in here. Remo, what's up? How are you? I'm feeling good. It's a great time of year. Uh, we're counting down to the Grey Cup. Sunday, but yeah, big week for the Winnipeg Jets. Big homestand. What Friday, Saturday, back to back, pretty awesome. I mean, last week yep. was was a big sports Saturday, but this is like a big Winnipeg sports weekend. A uh, couple of decent teams coming in here, and New Jersey tonight. We don't have uh, no Jack Hughes, no Nico Heischer, but I'm sure the Jets, the Jets don't mind. And um, you know, big one. This is a big week, big week for us. So a lot of people in chat. Uh, what's going on? Uh, all to you WST chatter. Yeah, I was a little, um, <laughs> it was a little unfortunate that of all weekends for us to be away at the Grey Cup, the Jets have Friday and Saturday night home games, but mm -hmm. uh, hey, that just means I'll be that much more excited to get to the rink tonight and see what the Jets can do against the New Jersey Devils. Hey, just, just before we kind of get into everything for today, uh, did you watch the Monday Nighter last night? Of course. I had to watch the Monday Nighter. Come on, uh, Bills. 
uh, great offense, right? And uh, and the Broncos, well, eh, eh, Broncos, whatever. But yeah, and then Broncos are back. Broncos are back. Russell Wilson has a 104 quarterback rating this year. He has not been turning the football over. Uh, their defense is playing a little bit better. Um, listen, they're four and five right now, but that's just a half game back of the Buffalo Bills, if you can believe it. But Rima, what I needed to bring up was, and again, we were talking yesterday, had a real nice week when we were uh, making our football wagers, of course, in the lock shop. We're almost, almost every Monday nighter, we bet the over three and a half field goals. And it didn't look like that was going to be the case when Will Lutz missed what was going to be the winning field goal. How about the Bills going full Saskatchewan Rough Riders and having 12 men on the field and allowing Denver to kick again from five yards closer and win that game? Um, I imagine that Ryder fans had PTSD watching the end of that football game yesterday. And you just saw the look on Josh Allen's face. They could not believe it. Um, 12 men on the field. They were the old 13th man in the Grey Cup against the Montreal Alouettes a few years back. And uh, they just handed it back to the Broncos, who uh, who got a win. And now the Bills right now, 5-5, five and 10th five, in the AFC. On the outside looking in, they have to go to Philly. They've got to go to Kansas City. They have a murderous schedule now after losing to the likes of the Broncos and the Patriots. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't think the Bills are making the playoffs. I got to, you know, the Bills used to be one of the last couple of years, one of the league's premier teams. And we should mention they did fire a offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey today, Adam Schefter reporting that. But I mean, the Bills prolific offense, you know, they were going toe to toe with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Like, what's happened to them this year? They can't protect the football. Josh Allen is turning the ball over like crazy. This was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, and uh, it just really hasn't gone their way, and their offense has looked pretty, uh, I guess, some, some of their analytics ago, but it ha- they just haven't had that explosiveness before, although you do look at their point differential, plus 78. Like, they should be way better than they are than 5-5. Five and five. What's going on with this team? They're so confusing. They can't hold on to the football. Yeah. They just turned, they, I mean, they lost the turnover battle by three yesterday. I mean, there's your football game. Um, and, and the thing was, this was almost going to be like the Giants game a few weeks ago. That was a game that they won. The first team in the Super Bowl era to lose the turnover battle, to have less rushing yards, less passing yards. There's a bunch of other things and still win, and they won it. Um, that almost happened and yet they had an extra man on the field and gave Denver another crack at it, and they won. Um, uh, just kind of a, a bizarre game last night, but a nice little CFL tie and an opportunity for us to bring up the 13th man on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, l- let me. speaking of why not questions of the day, I was talking about with Dusty, and I know there's probably some Ryder fans that do enjoy Winnipeg Sports Talk and are here. This is a why not question of the day for Ryder fans or for all of you. How do you think Ryder fans feel going in? Why not question of the day for not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGilvery? Here we go. Would Ryder fans rather the Bombers win their third Grey Cup in four years, unquestionably be a CFL dynasty, or 
see Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss, who in a lot of ways were the scapegoats of the Riders last year, waltz into Montreal and win a Grey Cup in year one. Oh, where where are Rider fan? Where is Rider okay. fan on that? If you're a legit Rider fan in the chat, I would love to hear what you have to say. And if you're a Bomber fan, put yourself in their shoes. What would be worse? It, it, it is it is a fascinating matchup, and so much of it has to do with Saskatchewan. To be perfectly honest with you, and of course Zach Caleros, former Rider quarterback as well. That's true. I think if you if you're a true Rider fan, you absolutely dislike. The Bombers, so you you would do anything to not see the Bombers win. I think that's priority number one, and I think current Ryder fans acknowledge issues with their current management, and I think you want to just feel good. It's feel good for Fajardo and Jason Moss, and I think you can acknowledge too that you know Fajardo does have a lot of issues, and I don't think anyone thinks any differently of him than they did last year. I mean, he's fine. He's like a decent quarterback, but you look at the, he's not the reason why they won last week's game, huh? So uh, going back to the original question, if you're a Ryder fan, you do not want to see the Bombers win, uh, period. I, I, I would think that that would be the case. And to be honest, I mean, Cody Fajardo played his ass off for Saskatchewan for a long time. I mean, they let him go. It wasn't like he said, screw you and uh, demanded a trade yeah. or, you know, they were offering him more money and he left for less somewhere else. They got rid of him and they got rid of Moss. So if I'm a Ryder fan and I'm not completely petty and unhinged, I think I'm feeling good for Cody for the, for the win. And we'll be pulling for him even more because they are playing the uh, bombers, but we did get a little bit of feedback in the lock shop and a guy named Sask fan for life said over my dead body. Do I want to see, do I want do I want to see Cody Fajardo in a great cup? So I don't know. It is it is a fun side story of the festivities, uh, the festivities in Hamilton. Let us know what you think. Uh, what you think in the uh, in the chat? Um, Randy Ambrosi spoke today, Reem, and we'll get to the hockey in just uh, in just a second. But we will be touching on this with Jeff Hamilton a little later on. Um, a couple of great bits of information coming out of the State of the League address. First of all, and this is long overdue, the balanced schedule is coming back to the Canadian Football League next year. So the Bombers and every other CFL team will host every team and they will play every team on the road. And then the additional couple games will be presumably distributed within the division. Like, I don't really care if they keep the West and the East or if they make it all one division. To me, the most important thing for the integrity of the league and the, and the schedule and the season was to have teams play equitable schedules. I mean, that just didn't happen. Like, Toronto was 16-2 and two this year, which was amazing. They played BC once and they played the Bombers once. They didn't even really show up with their A team for the Bombers. They lost. They did beat BC. That was the game that Vernon Adams had six turnovers. But I mean, 15 of their wins were against all of the teams that frankly weren't in that top tier with the top three teams in the league, BC, Winnipeg, and well, Toronto, you can't play yourself all year. Um, so I think this is just a great announcement. As I say it, it's long overdue. We've had all these questions like, why isn't this team coming here? Andrew Harris goes to Toronto. They don't come here. Paul Apolise goes to Ottawa. Um, they don't come here. 
Cody Fajardo goes to Montreal. They don't go to Saskatchewan. I mean, it absolutely made no sense. They missed some big-time marquee matchups and games. Um, so first things first, some good news. I'm sure you agree. Yeah, I have nothing to add on that. But, uh, yes, I mean, it's in, what is it, nine-team league. And they play, uh, what, 18 games, Hus? Shouldn't be hard to have each team play each other. And with the way the divisions are, it is kind of, you know, you, maybe we should be looking at Toronto's 16-2 record a lot differently when they played the Bombers once and BC once. So, And we did miss some big matchups. So we were all excited for Andrew Harris's return to Winnipeg and for the you know Bombers to go up against Paul LaPolice that year. And it didn't happen. And wasn't there something with Calgary and Bo Levi Mitchell? Didn't that not happen? Didn't yeah, he not, yeah, he, yeah, 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 exactly. Didn't he not play in Calgary? This year? Like, it's a nine-team <laughs> league. Like, come on, like, let's, let's get our head on our shoulders here. So, uh, well, well, I have nothing else to add. Then, yes, great, great move there. You will be happy that they did address and own the failures of the, uh, of the genius sports experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, as uh, Three Down Nation put it, one of the more prominent fiascos this season was the inability to implement their new stats system in conjunction with their uh, much-promoted partnership with Genius Sports. Uh, Ambrosi expressed remorse that the system never got up and running as he hoped and seemed to admit the system was never going to be up and running in 2023. This was an absolute embarrassment for the Canadian Football League, and I don't think there's any way around it, especially, Remus, as you know, it was promoted as such a massive deal for the CFL, Canadian football, working with this great organization that we hadn't really heard, but whatever, they apparently had a good relationship, was going to take things to the next level. I mean, I guess that's fine to say all that. You can't go backwards. You can't essentially have the situation that we had this year where there were no live stats. I mean, maybe the most embarrassing thing all along for the Canadian Football League this year, and I'll say this, I think TSN does an amazing job of broadcasting and promotion of the Canadian Football League for the most part. If you compared watching an NFL game or a college game to a CFL game, there was one thing missing. There was never any stats on the broadcast. You had no idea if a guy had eight catches and was approaching 200 yards. And neither did the broadcasters, unless they were literally keeping their own notes in the booth. So that absolutely needs to change. And I don't know whether they just needed an extra year to make this happen or whatever, but um, it it has really been something that's held them back. And for a league that wants to take that next step and embrace the gambling community and DFS and all those things, I mean, it couldn't have gone any worse. And, and the fact that it wasn't rectified in week one or two shocked me. And here we are going into the Grey Cup, and it's still an issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I mean, the live scoring, following on your phone, it's non-existent. You couldn't see league leaders. Like, they're sending out a PDF, uh, like, showing you the top five. You couldn't have sortable stats. This is basic stuff that any professional league would have. And people are trying to follow the league and trying to, as you mentioned, you know, place wagers or play fantasy or just compare players. I know even across eras, like, you can, stats on their website – like doesn't even go back that far, and you can't see like all time stuff. This should be elementary stuff that uh, a league should have, and uh, they really dropped the ball. And I don't know what like reason they had for not you know sticking with the previous format 
and then moving over. I mean, Randy Ambrosi said mid-season what they didn't want to employ like two sets of stat takers. Like you couldn't pay an extra guy. Like seems like a, a minor cost. Uh, you know, for a, a you know high a school big football had better yeah. stats than the Canadian Football done. League did this year. Yeah, done. Like we don't need to. We've already spent a lot of time on it, but it's incredibly disappointing. Reggie Dunlop, don't praise Ambrosi for the balanced schedule if he approved this crap schedule for this year and the previous years. Well, I'm just saying it's about damn time. I mean, I don't know, Reg. Like, I'm not the sort of person, like, if they're making the change and moving forward, I will be happy that they are doing that. I'm not going to spend any time or effort complaining about something in the past that has been changed. But you do you. Um the other thing that we're uh, that we have to talk about from the Canadian Football League is this tenth team, and it does seem like the uh, the need to uh, well, as they said in three down Fisher cut bait has happened. This is we've been talking about this for a long time, uh, and Ambrosi did say they need to bring this to a conclusion at some point. If we're going to do it, let's do it, and if we're not, you have to fish or cut bait. They did say the league was in conversation with a highly engaged, very qualified potential owner, but he would not specify who that person or persons were. Um, they, a 10th team would be so huge. A 10th team in the Maritimes, I think, would be incredible for the league. And again, moving to this balanced schedule, the dream scenario for the league is a 10-team league with an 18-game schedule, home and home against every team in the league, done even for everybody, and that's the way that it works. They got to figure this out already. There, you've been hearing for years. Okay, it's common. I think we, as long as I've been uh, doing this, like you're talking about a potential tenth team in the Maritimes, and what do they have an owner? Do they not have an owner? Do they have a place to play? Like are those questions even answered? And yeah, I, I kind of agree with him. It's like, okay, we, are we doing this or not? And let's do it, or let's stop talking about it because I think he's been asked about it in every interview since he took over. Yeah, I mean, that, listen, for sure, they've got to make it happen. Now, we're going to get to uh, Grey Cup in a minute. Um, the one other, uh, the other thing coming out of Randy Ambrosi is that these, the changes to Saturday for the playoffs is not changing. Uh, and I think we saw with the crowds on the weekend, both in Winnipeg and Hamilton, although, I mean, that game could have been at 2 in the morning on Monday, and I think Bomber fans would have shown out for it, um, that this moved, and, and the TV ratings were awesome. We're going to have Saturday playoff games in the Canadian Football League. There is part of me, and I know this is sacrilege. I do wonder if they think that, you know, in the future, we're talking about Grey Cup Saturday. If basically the Grey Cup moves to Saturday. And I, the more I think about it, I think there are a number of potential benefits from doing that. I know it's tradition. They've been doing it forever. Grey Cup Sunday. But with these games moving to Saturday, um, the team's ability to get to the stadium, to get to the, uh, the the spot earlier, I'm not sure it doesn't make Grey Cup week more of a thing with the game on Saturday and maybe allowing people to get home on Sunday. Certainly no competition from the NFL is probably a big thing. I wouldn't expect that that would happen anytime soon. But I would be interested in your comments in the chat um, as to what you would think about potentially in the future Knowing that the playoff games, the East and West final, are going to be on Saturday, could the Grey Cup possibly move to Saturday? Would be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Well, we're going to get into the Jets. I mean, the, the beautiful thing right now with the consistency of this team is that we 
Don't really need to nitpick about lines because we know exactly what they are. We know Connor Hellebuck's playing net for the Winnipeg Jets as business as usual. Mm -hmm. So we'll dive into that with with Mike McIntyre. Um, But there is one big hockey story that I did want to mention that I think is going to be getting a ton of, um, well, a lot of conversation about it is that uh, British police have laid a manslaughter charge in the death of Adam Johnson. Well, they haven't led a, a charge. It's um, they're just investigating, investigating. There, nothing's been been charged uh, yet. Just to clarify, but oh, they so are. they 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 just launched because I saw all the breaking news about yeah. this uh, manslaughter for the. Uh... There's some uh, nuance to this. Let me just see the official legal technical term. I think just because it was a death, you know, that's so public with a young player, there is an investigation. And so, and yes, he was arrested on suspicion of manslaughter after the death. So there's no charges been laid, but the police are saying, hey, we need to look into this and see if there's something more. They're talking with experts, <laughs> talking with uh, witnesses. And if, the, what, the police, they said they arrested the suspect on Tuesday, that he remained in custody. And the police add, and we've been carrying extensive inquiries to piece together the events which led to the loss of him in these unprecedented unprecedented circumstances. We've been speaking to highly specialized experts in their field to assist in our inquiries and continue to work closely with the Health and Safety Department at Sheffield City Council, which is supporting this ongoing investigation. So we're not going to, I mean, I'm not going to speculate, but, you know, about what happened or not, but the police are looking into this matter and We'll see what, if anything, comes comes because uh, you know this, the rampant speculation. Either way, I don't know how you could. You know, we don't know all the information there. So no, and, and I like probably many of you saw that the first time. It, it looked horrible and it did look reckless. Um, but considering what happened, I haven't been able to watch that again, and I'm certainly not going to be sitting back breaking down. No. You know, frame by frame, a video of a young man losing his life. So I guess, you know, leave it to the experts to do that. But it was a noteworthy bit of news coming from the hockey world today. Um, all right, we're going to head to Montreal. Mokon's going to join us in just a minute. Um, but uh, before we do that, shout out to the Mo Bros. The WST team keeps growing them in. And we keep on raising more money uh, along with our friends at Modern Man Barbershop for the Movember movement. Uh, thanks to all the gang. We had a fun little stash update on Friday. We'll try and do that again at the end of this week or early next week. Um, but if you're with us on YouTube, there's the QR code. It'll take you right there. There's a link in the description. If you're listening to the podcast, head on over to Winnipeg Sports Talk and click the link. And if you can uh, throw a 20 or a 50 into uh, a great cause, we would love to uh, get to our goal. We're well over halfway there already. Um, it has been a great start, and thank you to everyone that has donated. Um, Remus is putting those uh, KMs on right mm-hmm. now. The stashes are being grown. Um, so it certainly has been a great start to November for the Winnipeg Sports Talk team. And thanks again to everyone for participating and supporting. Uh, and thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershop. Eight locations in Winnipeg now, including the new locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. Got you covered with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color service and more everything a guy needs book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com give him a follow on instagram at modern man barber shops did you know folks that whole home renovations start with aquatech 
With thousands of rentals as their foundation, AquaTech can upgrade any space in your home. So if you're thinking of an upgrade and you're ready to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. Shout out to the gang at Manitoba Battery, powering this city and province through the winter. Um, it's gorgeous out right now, but we know that the deep freeze is just around the corner. Get ready for winter and make sure that you've got batteries that are going to get you from point A to point B. Um, listen, all, all their batteries powered great summers with all the fun toys. Now it's about your car. It's about your truck. And Manitoba Battery allows you to shop local, keep your money in the province at a better price than you'll find anywhere, beating the pants off the big box stores. And to top it all off, you don't get better service than Donnie and Manitoba Battery. Why? Because they'll deliver it to you for free with any purchase over 60 bucks anywhere inside the perimeter of Winnipeg. It's just that easy. Um, find them at manitobabattery.com. Order online. Give them a call at 783-8787 or pop down and see them. Free battery testing if you're wondering where yours is at. 1026 Logan Avenue. And I have big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I know you all are probably planning big Grey Cup parties and Grey Cup festivities. Well, it's not complete without the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You've been enjoying that CC at the stadium all year long. Better have it for your Grey Cup party. Pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and check out the entire Canadian Club family of products. If you're lucky, you might be able to uh, grab one of the last few bottles of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, the 15-year-old Sherry Cask that was launched on the 4th of November, $79.99, limited one-time release. Um, and of course, if you want to add some CC and gingers to the party, you can get those at Manitoba Liquor Marts, or next time you're popping in for beers at your local beer store, grab a few of those in 473-milliliter cans. Canadian Club, Behind the Bombers, and WST all the way to the Grey Cup. And this weekend and always, please enjoy responsibly. All right, well, we've got an opponent. And I'll be honest, I did not think that we'd be talking to Mo Khan about the Montreal Alouettes this week. But guess what? They beat the Argos. They're in Hamilton. We'll be in Hamilton. Let's bring in Mo from Montreal for uh, our first chat heading into the big game on the weekend. Mo, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on the program. I didn't think so either, uh, Andrew, but here we are, right? Great Cup week, Hamilton's the site, and the Owls are in against a, a heavily favored Blue Bomber team. Well, first off, you can take your victory lap. I believe you were one. I think Chris O'Leary maybe at CFL.ca yeah. had picked the Alouettes, but there wasn't a lot of support for the team from Quebec. Uh, did you really think they were going to win, or were you pandering to Montreal fans, no, just letting no, no. them know that you're a Montreal guy? No, no, no. If you, re if you read my tweet, Andrew, I, I said you need to get a couple of turnovers for touchdowns, and they did. Uh, nailed it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that was the thing, right? People were saying, well, what do you think? I go, Toronto hasn't played a real football game since mid-September when they won in Montreal on the 15th, and essentially were in cruise control going through the final six weeks of the regular season. Whereas you look at Montreal, even the Bombers, they've been in playoff mode for the last five weeks going into the playoffs. And I just thought, and, you know, we spoke about Chad Kelly back in the summertime, and you, you'd asked me your thoughts on Chad Kelly, if the Argos could be the greatest team ever. I said no, and I thought he is a game manager. And, and no disrespect to Chad Kelly, I think he's a good quarterback, but 
he doesn't he hasn't had those wow moments yet, right? He's still young in his career, and he could very well be the next great quarterback in this league. But he was nowhere to be found on Saturday. And the Al's defense is is probably behind Winnipeg is second to none in terms of the excellence that they've had and how they play. They, they, don't, they don't care who's in front of them. They're going to smash you in the mouth, punch you in the face, and leave an autograph on your body with hits. And that's what they've done so far in the last five weeks of the regular season, going into the playoff win over Hamilton and over Toronto, and what they hopefully will do against the uh, Bombers if that's the case on Sunday night. You know, there was so much of a narrative heading into the playoffs that the Alouettes, uh, and, and really more so in the East Semi against the against the Ticats, like the Alouettes had beat all the bad teams in the league, but they hadn't beaten any of the good teams. They didn't have any success against Winnipeg. They didn't have any against BC, and they didn't have against t- Toronto until Saturday. Hmm. What does that win do for the Alouettes um, as far as, I mean, just internal confidence that they can play with the big boys in the league and come into this game with a shot to uh, pull off the upset. Yeah, I mean, look, let's look at the two Winnipeg games, right? And the one on Canada Day was a complete wash from get-go. It was, delay, it was a delay to the game because of the, uh, the monsoon we had in Montreal. And then the return game in Winnipeg was a, was a complete blowout by the Bombers against the Alouettes. But they played BC tough uh, in both games that they had. Uh, and they played Toronto tough in the, in the regular season games. And I think they're just knocking the door, and they had to kick down the door, which they did. And I think what that game did to them was give them the belief that we can win this. And, Andrew, you know, and Remus knows, and all your loyal fans know, in the Grey Cup, who cares if you're 16-2 and two or 8-10 and 10 or whatever it might be at that point? It's a one-off. And, and look, the, the Owls are going to believe in themselves, and I think they have a fair chance to win this football game if that defense plays well. And, again, it goes back to the same formula, as I said, about the win over the Argonauts. If they are able to create turnovers from Colaros in this football game, it gives them a chance. And that's going to be the key for them is the patience and being smart and setting up those traps in the football field where Colaros sees one thing but throws to another direction, which ends up being a turnover for the Alouette. So I think it's going to be on Noel Thorpe and that chess match that he has with the Winnipeg offense and how he's able to kind of be a bamboozle them at times if he can come up with a big turnover or two along the way. You know, you brought up the two head-to-head matchups this year, and it was – I mean, I remember that <laughs> I remember that Canada Day game well because we were over at a Canada Day uh, party and it was a friend. He had a pool and a nice outdoor kitchen with a big TV and everyone's having a couple and we're in the pool. And, you know, we, you know, we kind of look over the TV and like, what the heck are they doing? Like, is there some sort of pregame thing? And then realize, <laughs> oh, we've got one of these delays, which was fine. Everyone was more than happy on joining the festivities. Let us know when the game starts. Uh, and that bomber team was ready to go. I mean, they absolutely smothered the Montreal offense. Yep. And then the game here in Winnipeg, I mean, you look at the game and it's 47-17, like, wow, that's a blow. And then you dig in a little deeper and realize that 14 of the 17 points Montreal scored were off pick sixes off Zach Caleros. <laughs> I think he's still mad about that game, to be honest with you. Yeah. The Montreal <laughs> offense scored six points in eight quarters against the Bombers. How can they change that? against a team that terrorized Vernon Adams for 60 minutes on Saturday. And it's a different animal. The, the Bombers are a different animal. This is like the Andre the Giant uh, against Hulk Hogan matchup here, right? Can they slam Andre the Giant uh, at Tim Hortons Field on Sunday night? And you think about this, though. We go back to 2019 with Cody Fajardo, right? Remember the West Final when the Bombers went to uh, Saskatchewan and won that game? Clang. That was, yeah, and that was sort of the beginning of the end of Fajardo's career in, in Sask where – the, the criticism built up for him and, and that frustration of not being Winnipeg at the crucial moment here, 
And he probably won't say it publicly, but he's got a chip on his shoulder, right? He's got a chip to prove all his critics wrong in Sask. Uh, all those um, all those Bomber fans who, who who ripped on him the last three, four years that you can't win the big game on Sunday. And I just think that this Bomber defense is spectacular. You know, big kill, that's a big loss, right? The injury is, is a big loss for them. But the depth that Kyle Walters has built up, and when he became GM manager, and you've had me on this show for many years, it was all about acquiring quality Canadian depth. And that's what he's done, right? He's got guys that can step up, next man up, to make that play here. And if that front four can get to Fajardo early and often, it could be a long day for this Alouettes game because that neutralizes the running game of Stanback and, and Fletcher, whoever might be carrying the ball. But most importantly, though, that puts more pressure on Fajardo to find the Austin Max, uh, the Cole Speakers, and, and those supporting cast pass catchers um, who may not be the, 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 the box office names like that the Bombers have with Kenny Lawler and all those guys. But at the end of the day, if that front four for Winnipeg gets to Fajardo, it could be the difference in why Winnipeg wins on Sunday night. So let's talk about Cody for a minute. Hmm. You know, I, I gave him a lot of credit. Listen, he is a likable dude. Um, you know, Bomber fans have loved to kind of cheer against him. Obviously, he was the quarterback of the arch rival Riders all those years. Um, but he actually has had a really nice season overall. I mean, you know, it's about winning games. They won enough to be there. They won the game. But Dustin, Dustin and I just on, on the lock shop, he broke down these stats. He said, like, Cody Fajardo against non-Winnipeg teams in the CFL has a winning percentage of, like, 650. And then up against the Bombers, he is, well, he's 0-9 against Zach Caleros. And I believe he's got one <laughs> touchdown and nine picks in these games. He's like Kirk Cousins of the CFL. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I joked that they, that yesterday on the program, that the Alouettes should not show Cody Fajardo any tape of the West Final for what happened to Vernon Adams, because it will be deja vu, PTSD, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's going to bring back some serious, some serious memories of some of the downtimes of his career. Um, where is he at, though, right now? I mean, this season, the games against Winnipeg didn't go well. Overall, though, he has had a pretty good one. And, you know, listen, it was a pretty pedestrian offensive output last week against the Argos, but they didn't need it. It's about winning the games. Um, he said he was fired up to get another crack at the Bombers, and obviously it's in the Grey Cup. You're happy to be there. But um, Mo, speak to the challenge that Cody Fajardo has on his shoulders this week coming in as a massive underdog against a team that has been his kryptonite ever since he came across the border. Yeah, he's sort of that break-even quarterback. He's not going to be too high, too low. I mean, you're right about the stats. I mean, doing the stats for TSN for the Alouette home games, he had some god-awful numbers at times and losses that he had against the Bombers, the Lions, Argos in particular. But he's not going to be that guy that's going to throw for 400 yards. That's not the plan. That's not the DNA of Jason Moss in this offense. If they get 250 from Fajardo and get 120 from the running game, that's what they're going to do. And that's how they're going to perhaps beat the Bombers on Sunday. But we don't know what Cody Fajardo will show up. I mean, he, he, he had an okay game against Hamilton. You know, it wasn't like, oh, oh, oh my God, like, you know, he, he won it on his arm here. The defense won that football game. And what happened last week, the defense won that football game. So now it's going to be that, hey, can Cody Fajardo win this football game to kind of cement his stats that he is a legitimate CFL quarterback? Because remember, eight, 12 months ago or even 10 months ago, whenever he signed with the Alouettes back in February, it was sort of like, well, it was a last-second desperation sign by the Owls because the whole ownership situation not being cleared up yet. They lost Trevor Harris to Sask. They lost Jake Winnicky to Sask. They lost Gina Lewis to Edmonton. And they went and got 
Cody Fajardo. And it wasn't the most sexiest signing out there. And, and people were like, really? Okay, cool. And then the first, you know, June, July, August, fans were like, okay, well, he's okay. We'll see what he has. It's good Cody, bad Cody. But now he's peaking at the right time. And, and it's going to be on him. And if he can make, not completions, but make throws against a very good bomber defense, it could help elevate his confidence, and it could help elevate that team's belief that maybe they can pull off the smash and grab against the Blue Bombers. Mo, what about the defense? Um, like They certainly stepped up when they needed to on the weekend. Um, has the Montreal defense gotten better throughout the year? Is this the best that we've seen from them? And, I mean, maybe just speak to the challenge of handling both ends of the Bombers' attack, which, of course, is led by Zach Caleros and an offensive line and a running game that um, is the class of the league. Yeah, you know, th this Alwood defense has been really good. Uh, it's unfortunate for them that they got overlooked because the Alwood's offense was inept at times. And you look at Marc-Antoine Decroix, he's the uh, vertebrae of this defense, Tyrese Brevret, uh, Sankey, you bring in Sean Lemon as well. I think that was the biggest difference in how that team believed in themselves. You brought a bit of edge, a bit of uh, arrogance and confidence to this defense that was lacking from the pass rushing position, and they played better. And their secondary, they're the type of secondary that has no no fear or, or intimidation. They have full of confidence that they can win their battles, and that's why that secondary going up against a very good bomber receiving core that, albeit though banged up, is going to be fun to watch. But you look at Brady Oliveira, what he did, I mean, he smashed up the Alouettes, right? And so I think it's on the onus of Sankey, on Lemon, and these guys who have the wealth of CFL experience, can they stop Brady Oliveira and force Kalaros to make those throws? And again, you mentioned the point that Kalaros threw two pick sixes early in the season, but let's not forget, in the great cup last year, he didn't have his finest moment either. So for Zach Kalaros, I think there's that chip in his shoulder as well. This bomb team has that quiet confidence. I think it's been more eyeballs on the Alouettes because they're that new team that's not been in the Great Cup in 13 years. Bomb has now been there for four years, so the team storyline still exists. But I just think that in this situation now for this bomber offense, like Andrew, they are, they are talented. They are loaded. They know how to win these type of games uh, at this point of the season. And that think about this, right? Last year left a bad taste in their mouths when they lost to the Argos. But I go back to last season in 2022, their first home loss was to who? The Alouettes. I still believe that game still lingers in the mouths of these Bomber players, knowing that the Owls gave them the first uh, blemish of that season. And they kind of want to lay down that, the hammer on this team here and say, look, we're still the top dogs of the CFL. And come Sunday, we're going to prove that to you uh, on how that plays out in Hamilton. You know, um, <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> it's, it's such a juicy storyline when you look at, how Fajardo and Moss got to Montreal. And we were <laughs> kicking it around earlier. Like, if you're a Ryder fan, would you rather see the guys that you cut loose stick it to you and win the Grey Cup in their first year out in the East? Or your arch rival establish an unquestioned dynasty with their third Grey Cup in four wins? I mean, it's like <laughs> quite the catch-22 for people from uh, the rectangle. Look... I think Ryder fans are, are were happy that the Bombers didn't win it last year in their locker room. I think they're okay. Oh, and, they, and they're, they're they, going to go for the Alouettes. But Andrew, you know what's going to happen, right? They, it's going to be every other CFL fan base cheering off the Alouettes against the Bombers. That's what's going to be, and, and that's that's how the that's that is the beauty of the, of the Great Cup that the underdog mm -hmm. will have every fan base across Canada cheering them on because they want that team to win. We saw Toronto last year. We could see it with the Alouettes this year, and we've seen years past, right? The BC Lions beat the Alouettes 
back in 2000. You think about the Argos being the BC Lions in 2004. We can go through the list of teams that pull off the upset in the Great Cup. Remember the Stampeders beat your Bombers in 2001, right? So there's always that underdog. Don't remember that. Yeah, I was there. I was there. Joe <laughs> Flem took out Kari Jones in the final play. But the point is that there's always that appeal of the underdog. The Alouettes had that mentality, and I think all those fans in southern Ontario, most of them at least, will be cheering on for the Alouettes on Sunday. Yeah, Winnipeg versus everybody, just the way we like it, Mo. And <laughs> I, I, and the one thing I'll tell you is there will be plenty of blue making the trip up oh, to agree. southern Ontario. I um, agree. What about Alouette fans? I mean, like I don't think many people were planning a Grey Cup trip, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, and yet they're here. Um what sort of excitement is this burned amongst the fan base? And that, do you think we'll see a lot of people from Montreal find a way to get there and get in the building to support their club? So I think the breakdown of fan base will be 70-30 or 70-20, like 70 bomber, 70% bombers, 20% Alouettes, and the rest CFL fans. Um, the rest like, of the CFL fans, as you mentioned, probably yeah. are going from Montreal. For sure. And, and look, I, I said it before on Twitter that I feel bad for the Hamilton hotels because had Toronto made it, no one's going to travel from Hamilton from Toronto to Hamilton to stay in the hotel. I think Alouette fans will go down. A, a good buddy of mine, he paid $600 per ticket, and that was just after they had beaten the Argos on Saturday night uh, for him and his dad to go down in, in the 100 level. I don't know how many fans are going to be down there. I, I think there'll be maybe 1,000, right? And the thing is, Andrew, I've told you and Remus this before, you know, Montreal is a city that has a CFL team. And there's a small, diehard fan base in Montreal for CFL fans. But, you know, they will go down. But the casual fan, I'm not too sure. And, again, Winnipeg fans will travel out. Sask will travel out. We know those type of towns will go out to the Great Cup. So I just think that there will be representation, but not in, in the robust numbers that the Bomber fans will come out uh, to Hamilton on Sunday. I'm still hoping that you might be in attendance considering you're going to be in the GTA. Fill us people yeah. in on uh, what you're doing. Uh, a little youth sports gig on the weekend. Yeah, I'll be I'll be calling the UTAC Bowl uh, from lovely Mississauga uh, between uh, University of Montreal against Western. That will be kicking off at 12 noon on CBC Gem and cbcsports.ca. The irony, the running joke is that the Sepsum is where, where University of Montreal plays their home games is a 10 to 15 minute drive from my house and i gotta go to toronto to call it on saturday afternoon but i can't wait i look forward to it and it should be a great game on saturday and then the mitchell ball will be ubc against cnfx and then they'll play in the Vanity cup next saturday at kingston so i'm very honored to be part of the broadcast team uh, to call it uh for the utah bowl at 12 noon and we'll see andrew if i'm required for my services i know you asked me a couple of cfl players asked me if i'm sticking around I never realized I was a straw that serves a drink when it comes to being the uh, focus of a party. So maybe I'll stick around for a Sunday night for the great. Hey, cup. listen, if you need uh, if you need anything from us, if we need to say, hey, we've got a last minute uh, addition to the WST crew, uh, our our rival. We needed we needed a heel producer to come in. Um, we can make <laughs> that happen. But uh, anyways, good luck for the broadcast on Thank Saturday. You, Should be a great game. And uh See if you can uh, work a little magic to uh, get down the highway for uh, for Sunday's big game, and we'll hopefully see you there. Mo, thanks for doing this, buddy. Always, my man. And I got the Bombers winning by 10 on Sunday, by the way. 33-23. <laughs> okay, I, I, I like that. I like that. It was 7.5. It is 8.5. Get in before it gets to double digits. You heard it there from Mo. Thanks, buddy. Take care, uh, man. Follow him on Twitter at MoCon19. Great friend of the program, MoCon, out in Montreal. And a good luck to Mo on that broadcast this week. All right, we're going to do a quick check-in with a hammer. We're looking forward to having uh, connecting with him live in Hamilton on either Thursday or Friday. 
um, but we will bring him in. Uh, but don't forget, Jet game tonight. New Jersey Devils. <clears throat> Excuse me. No Jack Hughes, no Nico Heischer. Great opportunity for the Jets to win. Check out winnipegjets.com for those Tuesday night ticket uh, specials. And there is Thursday Thursdays coming up, including that game that we'll all be at with the WST crew against the Edmonton Oilers. But Friday and Saturday night games. Many people saying, hey, we're waiting for the game. Like to go on the weekend. Friday, Buffalo. Saturday, Arizona. <clears throat> WinnipegJets.com for your tickets on that. And keep an eye out for uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday specials coming out from the Jets as well. Um, it looks like we've had an issue with this Instagram post for our uh, Vita Health contest. But, folks, get on over later on today if you're listening to it on our website, winnipegsportstalk.com, to register for the marble race to win this beautiful signed Trevor Linden jersey and the full range of Prairie Naturals supplement products from Canada's number one men's health brand, Prairie Naturals. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. Enter your name. We'll be picking out a couple qualifiers. We'll be qualifying people every day on the program. Everyone that qualifies will be in the marble race on the last day of Men's Health Month. And we'll be giving away both of these great prizes to the winner of that marble race. So uh, you know where to go. Winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. We were trying to do it on Instagram too, but I think Instagram's fiddling around with some yeah. new rules where we have a tough time seeing the comments I, from uh, farming all of this engagement. I posted it earlier, and then people were commenting, but it wouldn't show me. I posted it twice. I was like, okay, well, it's on our website. Go there. We'll make an Instagram post as well to let everyone know. We'll post it on all our social media, but you can go to it, sign up on our website, and you get additional entries for subscribing to our newsletter, following Winnipeg Sports Talk on Instagram, following Vita Health on Instagram, and sharing with a friend. So uh, the link is in the chat and uh, just on the website. And if you're on your phone, you got to click the three dots there uh, at the top. Of course, and hey, it is Men's Health Month, and if you're looking for great prices on uh, Prairie Naturals, as well as all the other natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, Vita Health, six locations, online at myvita.ca, especially during Men's Health Month. Keep an eye out for Prairie Naturals, Canada's number one line of men's health supplements on sale all month at Vita Health. And again, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest for your chance to win this great prize, which you'll give out at the end of the month. Um, hey, our, our friends at Wallace and Wallace have been Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists uh, since 1946, but they're also the go-to people for overhead garage door sales and service. That overhead garage door had lots of ups and downs this summer, working hard to get you to and from all that summer and fall fun, but now it's... Uh, it's go time, and that garage door is going to work a whole lot harder this winter because winter puts much more stress on your garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And just before we bring in Hammer, shout out to the fellas down at F Apparel. Guys, if you're looking in that closet and realize you need to up your menswear game heading into the holidays and the winter, get on down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both casual suits, tucked, untucked. They've got you covered in an amazing selection of uh, the best in menswear accessories. Getting married? 
Talk to them about a 15% discount for wedding parties. And uh, if you do need to, uh, you know, maybe uh, dive into a little new menswear, F gift card, great, great option for uh, that guy in the uh, in your circle or your crew that um, is looking for uh, a nice Christmas gift that he can wear and look great all year long. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. Make an appointment. Check them out online. F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right, let's do a quick hit with our pal Jeff Hamilton. I thought we were phoning him, but no, Hammer is good to go. He's got his Grey Cup lanyard all ready. Boots on the ground in Hamilton to kick off Grey Cup week. What's going on? How was the trip out? Us, what's good? Uh, it was awesome, man. It was, um, you know, I, it was uh, sad to leave Winnipeg with such beautiful weather. I saw the snow um, dripping off, uh, dripping yeah. away rather while, like uh, while I was today. taking off. But it's uh, it's a balmy plus thirteen here, so I'm not going uh, to take sit, it. Sit and complain about uh, about the weather, but uh, yeah, really great week. It um, already feels like a week, despite being about you know, just over 24 hours in Hamilton, but that's, uh, that's just a microcosm of the, of, of just how crazy this week is, how jam packed it is with events and, and really the excitement uh, that builds as we get closer to Sunday's game. Hey, we'll have, uh, we'll talk a lot about everything coming forward and Sunday, but uh, quickly, uh, what'd you think of uh, the way the Bombers got to the big game on Saturday? Oh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I've used this before. I think that one was personal. You know, I think this is a, a club that, um, you know, is mode, you know, finds various ways to be motivated. But one of that, one of those ways um, is, is just a feeling of, you know, feeling of lack of respect, if you will. And I think that's what they felt like going into the West final. There were a lot of teams that were sorry, a lot of people that, you know, thought BC given, you know, what they had done, um, you know, the, the week before against the Calgary Stampeders, you know, pretty much stealing their lunch money and pushing them over that uh, they would be a, you know, a better opponent. And while I think, you know, the game was certainly close, man, I mean, five points in the fourth quarter is, uh, you know, that really does, you know, put it into anyone's game category. But I just thought that, you know, the Bombers with just executed the way they're supposed to, you know, played complimentary football when the offense wasn't rolling, it was the special teams that picked them up or the defense. And I mean, that's probably what I should have started with. I mean, the defense was absolutely lights out. And, and you know, while the game got close, as I mentioned, five points in the fourth quarter, um, it just never seemed attainable for the BC Lions. They just couldn't seem to get into a rhythm. And um, if you can, if you can, if the defense can show up and play that way, you know, this Sunday, I, you know, the Bombers are going to have a really good chance. But of course, that offense is going to have to finish with uh, finish with touchdowns and not. Just get a little blip up from the uh, press con- press box. We'll see if we can get Hammer back in here right away. Um, as uh, as he mentioned, I mean that was a defensive performance of the ages for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with the nine sacks, terrorizing Vernon Adams for the entire sixty minutes of that game. Um, and they're going up against Cody Fajardo, a guy who knows a guy who knows all too well. What the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are uh, are capable of of the uh, on the defensive side, you know, Reem. Just while we get Jeff back in here, um, it is. I, I mean, it, it still sounds weird saying the Montreal Alouettes are in this game um, because everyone expected Toronto to do it. Okay, we've got Jeff back. I was just saying that Jeff. I mean, it still is sounds sort of weird talking about this game that the Montreal Alouettes are in it because, I mean, everybody expected Toronto to win. Um, and, I mean, they completely self-destructed. Um, 
How much credit goes to Montreal? I mean, they didn't do much offensively. They obviously made the most of the mistakes that the Toronto Argonauts did. Similar to what happened when the Bombers played them earlier this year, a 47-17 game where their two touchdowns were on pick sixes. Like, is this defense, we just talked to Mo Khan, has this defense built them up so th- much throughout the year that it gives them a chance to win any game, much like the Bomber defense gives the Bombers a chance to win any game? Well, when you can knock, and sorry about that, Haas, I'm sorry that I lost connection there. I got onto a new internet. Hopefully this one works. But, um, you know, I, I think you make a great point. I, I don't know how you don't feel confident as a defense to shut down a 16-2 and Toronto team on the road, right? Let's remember, this is a neutral site game. So it's not that they have to deal with the, the raucous crowd of, of IG Field that's just been, you know, so incredible and such a, such a, a big factor in, in Winnipeg's success at home, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, I think you certainly have the confidence. It was interesting to, to, to see the teams arrive yesterday, right? Uh, you had one team in Montreal who hasn't been to a great cup, you know, since 2010, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a, as a team, as a collective, it's, it's, it's an entirely new experience for them. So when they got off the plane and got into the war museum, it was like a can you know, kids in a candy shop, you know, they were taking photos, they were embracing all this thing, you know, kind of, you know, first timers, if you will. And then the, the, the bombers show up and, you know, a few people got out of the, got out and into the war museum and everybody else got onto the bus. It was, you know, business right away. So, you know, I think those are just, those are just things you, you know, those are the differences you see in this team, but the Bombers were that team in 2019. They were the wide-eyed, you know, club that were the underdogs heading into, you know, into that game against Hamilton. We all are sorry into that game yeah, against Hamilton and Calgary. And we all saw how that game went down. So it's, it's easy to look at the Winnipeg blue bombers and say they're, you know, they're easy favorites, just like it was easy to say that the Winnipeg blue bombers were favorites last season against Toronto. We all know how that turned out. The fact of the matter is you have to, you have to bring your a game as cliche, as cliche as that sounds. Um, You know, you, you listen to some of them, the, the Alouettes yesterday and you know I mean they're saying a lot of cliche stuff like you throw out you throw out the you know you show, throw out the records all those things of course you throw out the records I mean this is this is a winner takes all event it's it, you clear the slate the one thing I think is the benefit for Winnipeg because of what happened last year and I'm not suggesting that they took their opponent lightly um, but you know that they're going to be extra diligent in this they know what's at stake here they know what's at, you know what, what comes with a victory here what comes with earning three great cups in four years and so so they're certainly motivated but um, make no mistake Montreal is no pushover that defense is great they don't ask a ton of their offense in Cody Fajardo uh, just not to screw up and you know if, if the if the defense um, on Montreal can play anywhere like they played against Toronto, you know, they have a good shot definitely to, uh, to be winners on Sunday or on Sunday as well. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, I know you put some records out the window. I don't put Owen nine against Zach Caleros and the bombers out uh, when it comes to Cody Fajardo. And I mean, I think about the game earlier this season, we talk about what's the path to victory. Well, you got to get a couple turnovers, make the most of them. They had two pick sixes and lost by 30. <laughs> so, I, listen, there's a lot of reason, but I think I go back to what well, you just said earlier. I'm not even making excuses about those games, but each game is different. And yeah, if, no, you you're right. at, if you look at those two games, I was there in Montreal on, on Canada Day weekend, and neither offense got going. It was torrential downpour. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a weird game. And, and then again, not, not to make excuses for Montreal, but in that second game, which was a long time ago, prior to their seven-game win streak uh, that they're riding right now, um, Cody Fajardo was coming uh, or returning rather from a two game absence from his, from an injury from his non-throwing shoulder. And, you, you know, he didn't look good at all. Well, I, you know, I'm certainly not, 
you know, the Bombers deserve tons of credit for that game. You're right. I mean, Zach threw two pick sixes and then still dominated the team. So, I mean, obviously Winnipeg flexed their muscles in that, but I, you know, I, I would just, I'd caution at what we saw this year against Montreal and, and look at how far back, I mean, what was it? Week 12, the last, last, the last time these two teams yeah. played, I mean, that, that was uh, that was the start of a four-game losing skid for Montreal before ra- for, for racking off seven straight wins. So definitely a lot of changes on both sides, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than what we might have seen the first two two go-arounds. We'll spend uh, we'll spend much more time breaking down the game as we get closer to the weekend. Um, did you go see the commission today? Of course. He um, uh, a couple things that came out of that. First of all, I mean the balance schedule long overdue. I know some people still can't believe, myself included, that that wasn't the case the last few years. When you think about all the incredible matchups they missed out on, uh, but anything else stand out amongst uh, from uh, from Randy's uh, state of the league address? Yeah, so I asked about the scheduling one. I also asked about the stats situation. I mean, that was just an absolute mess, right? I mean, the the live stats just, you know, was not anywhere near uh, what Randy had had suggested or or promised it to be this year. And, you know, you got to feel for the CFL offices, for a lot of the people that were doing the work in the transition, because from what I understand, I'm no... I'm no data geek, but, um, you know, it took a lot of work just to catch up and it's still going to take a lot of work. And I think that's, that's kind of the takeaway in that is that, um, you know, we have a new deadline, right? Um, that new deadline is the start of the 2024 season. So these next six months are going to be very, very important for the league office in, in getting this done because it's just, you know, while Randy's promising that this is, you know, this is the future, this is a major factor. Like these, these, once this thing gets done, it's not just going to be live stats and, and updates on the website. It's going to be able to track, you know, ball speed, players, foot speed, you know, time in the pocket, all these things that you see in all the, in all these, you know, um, you know, bigger leagues, if you will. I mean, that, that's essentially um, was Randy's point was, you know, the risk was worth it or will be worth it. We don't know exactly what the, the potential of the stat system is going to be, but, you know, he believes that regardless of these setbacks that the, the risk is, has and will be worth it in the end. So we're still waiting for that. Um, you, you talked about scheduling. That was an interesting one. Saturday playoff games. Sounds like that's going to be a permanent thing moving forward. Hey, do they you really, think they'll ever move the Grey Cup to Saturday? I don't think so. I think it's, uh, at least it's not being talked about. So I, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't think so. Um, I think they like. I think they like the way the week is played out. I don't. I think by you know, like for instance, this year they added a new day, right? So we were here on Monday instead of Tuesday. So mm-hmm. they added a day to, to an already chaotic week. So um, I don't think they would want to take one back. They they like the schedule right now. So I'm going to go on a limb and say no. But they do like the Thursday to Sunday format during the summer months. That's going to stay. I think one of the things you know, one of the questions that was asked was, would they ever consider move? You know, they moved up the, the Grey Cup up a week this year, right? Um, would they further to move that up? Well. That's only going to happen in, in expansion, which was another big one, right? I, are, are we tired of hearing about expansion right now? Probably a little bit, but that's only because uh, we just haven't really seen a lot, lot of talk, but not a lot of uh, of action, right? Not a lot of promise that things are going to happen. That's not saying that there isn't being work done or you know incredible work done and, and trying to get it. They just haven't been able to do that. And the reason why they're so you know interested in ex- in in, um, in expanding to a tenth team is because of scheduling. They don't want to, as it currently stands because of their nine teams for each team to have 18 game schedule. They have to, it has to be played over 21 weeks in, in 10. And if it was, if there was a 10th team, that same schedule could be done over 19 weeks. 
And so that that would allow for, you know, Randy even used the example that the Grey Cup would have been on November 7th this year. So that's something that they're looking at. I mean, there's lots of, you know, lots of other stuff, you know, a lot of growth in the markets that for, for what, that seemingly forever with the, the BCs, the Toronto, Montreal, mm-hmm. you know, those used to be, you know, the, 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 the meet the state of the union Q and a part would, would ultimately start with those questions. No one even asked about those, <laughs> those cities because they've been doing so well. So that's certainly a, you know, a, a step in the right direction, but you know, a lot, lot, like I'm trying to think of, you know, the, you know, there was talk about media and the lack of media coverage in the league and, and what that's going to look like. Right. I mean, the Winnipeg free press is the only English newspaper that's traveling every week. Right. I mean, post media doesn't look like they're going to be coming back on that anytime soon. So um, that's obviously a topic of conversation. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, Ambrosi said he's going to be, he's going to stick around for as long as, uh, as long as the board of governors will have him. So he still seems eager to do the job. I actually, you know, I give Randy a bit, of, I give Randy some credit this year. I felt like, you know, very often, or at least in previous years, almost every year, really, besides this one, it's been a bit of a word salad, right? He's talked around all the issues. And if you, if, uh, if fans want to go back and listen to him, I think he gives a little bit more concrete answers. You're not going to get all the answers you want, but you're going to get more than you've seen in previous years. So I thought overall, as a, as a state of the, the league address goes, I thought it was probably his best this, this year. Well, hey, listen, we're looking forward to all the great coverage of uh, you and Taylor Allen in Hamilton. Uh, we'll get there tomorrow night. We'll see you on Thursday, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, getting together in person and uh, diving in a little bit more to the big matchup and everything happening around the big game. Very quickly on the way out, just 10 seconds. What are you hearing? What's the feeling about Adam Big Hill? Uh, it, it, should we not even think about him playing on Sunday? I know Mike O'Shea says don't rule him out. Yeah, Mike O'Shea, we, I was kind of joking. I think, uh, you know, Actually, I shouldn't probably share that joke online, but um, you know it, it, the the lengths in which Mike would go to you know to actually rule somebody out. I just don't think they're they're there. I mean, look, I, it's one of those things where if it wasn't Adam Big Hill, you know, I think it would be quite obvious. I still think it's fairly obvious that he won't be won't be there on Sunday, um, mm-hmm. or won't be playing on Sunday. He's made the trip. He's in a walking boot. Uh, I just think when you when you look at what happened in in, in that game, yeah. I just can't think of a, a a shot of him coming back on Sunday. But hey, maybe he'll prove us all wrong. Yeah, you're right. The, it would probably take a funeral for uh, Mike O'Shea to officially rule somebody out for the game. Um, hey, looking Don't forward feel to like it. you believe in the game. <laughs> looking forward to the paper tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you in uh, Hamilton on uh, Thursday. Can't wait, pal. Always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, co- no coincidence. You showed up the night of the formal media party, so hope to see you there tomorrow night. Yeah, unfortunately, no, late flight, late flight. We won't be oh, there. Give everybody, give bad. everybody my uh, my regards. Uh, that was that was an unfortunate one, but we had to do what we had to do. Uh, we'll do the show here and then uh, get out there late tomorrow night. Take it easy, buddy. Right on, thanks, guys. All right, we're gonna go from one free press ace to another uh, because we got a big hockey game tonight, which we're about to get to. But just before we bring in Mike McIntyre, shout out to everybody that enjoyed the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone this summer. And fall, and well, even into the winter earlier this week, uh, Princess Auto uh, hosting Bomber fans at the tailgate zone all season long. What a season it's been. And now uh, all of Princess Auto and all of Winnipeg and Manitoba behind the Bombers. They look to make it Grey Cup champs once again and bring that cup back to Winnipeg. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. Shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Whether you're going out to Hamilton 
or just getting ready for a big Grey Cup party here in the peg, make sure you get your blue on for Sunday. And if you need some, head on down to Royal Sports right now. Very brisk business in that big bomber section of theirs with tons of great bomber merchandise, including many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. While you're there, take a walk through the thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise as well, not to mention NFL, international soccer, and more. Not only will you get ready for the Grey Cup, but you can get ready for the holidays in one stop at the Ultimate Sports Superstore in Winnipeg. Winnipeg's number one fan headquarters, Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And hey, I mean, what a great weekend. Jets games on Friday and Saturday night. Grey Cup on Sunday. Boston Pizza is going to be the place to be. The official Bomber Grey Cup viewing party presented by Coors Lights at BP Keniston this Sunday. Win official Blue Bomber prize packs all game. Probably sounds like similar to uh, the event that uh, was that Hooters that one night. Uh, Appy Hour special all night, including Coors Light and all your BP favorites mascots the bp prize wheel and more if you want to book a table at keniston for that event give them a call 204-925-4103 come early and get loud and if you can't make it to bp keniston watch the game on all the big screens at your nearest bp location with all those great specials and hey if you're having a house party when you order any medium or large gourmet pizza from boston pizza you get your second pizza for 50 percent off and you can order the game day BP game day meal, including a two large gourmet pizzas and a triple order of wings, 925-4111, or order online with Boston Pizza. Celebrate the Great Cup with BP, official sponsor of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, let's bring in Mike McIntyre. Mike, very patiently waiting as we got a quick uh, quick hit with uh, the hammer out in Hamilton. Mike, what uh, what's going on? Big weekend coming up for Winnipeg sports fans. Wow. It is, Huss, and I'm actually headed out of town this weekend on some holidays. Kenny's got the... Uh, Hamilton? No, 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 Las Vegas, actually. <laughs> uh, I'm head- heading down to Vegas on uh, on Sunday uh, for the week. Kenny will be on the next road trip for us uh, in Florida and Smashville. So uh, my wife and I are, are heading out of town. So I'll, I'll, my plan is to actually watch the Grey Cup uh, in Vegas on Sunday. Hopefully, I can convince one of the uh, many sports books to, to switch to the uh, Grey Cup amidst all the NFL action. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure someone will be playing it down there. But uh, yeah, uh, you can bet on it, so you can see it. Don't don't worry about that. Just get to just get to a good one. They'll get it on that uh, on that TV. Point, you know, it'd be great. See if the Sphere will play it. Maybe you can go into the Sphere for a uh, for a Grey Cup show. So. I'm actually going to the Sphere on Monday night, not to see U2. Uh, that that ticket's a little too steep for me. But the uh, U2 is actually on a break right now. There's um, there's a uh, a show that they play in there. It's like an, an hour long. It's kind of like a nature documentary, but it it's basically meant to showcase all that the Sphere has to offer. So uh, at a fraction of the U2 price. I must, uh, I must note. So, yeah, we're going to actually be in the sphere on Monday night. Looking forward to it. We're seeing it from the outside, and I've seen a lot of video from what it looks like uh, inside, but it'll be fun to kind of experience it up close and uh, and not break the bank account uh, oh, in, in doing so. Wait a sec. Are, this is the Formula One weekend, isn't it? It is. 
So yeah, we actually yeah, it, it's it's kind of an interesting time to be heading to Vegas for sure. Are you staying in Reno? Like what what what? When did you book these hotels? Like yeah. a while ago, yeah, uh, for sure. Because you're right. Otherwise, it would have been a. Uh, although the the prices are dropping apparently because uh, it hasn't maybe gone exactly according to plan. But yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see the the remnants. Uh, I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, of course, on that last Jets trip. Uh, and just walking down the strip to kind of see the transition of the Vegas strip into a racetrack. Um, a lot of it was complete. The grandstands were already up in a lot of places. They took down like a million trees in front of the Bellagio. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of not all that recognizable anyways. And I'm sure when we get there this weekend, um, I'll say this, I'll be avoiding the strip until probably about Monday at the earliest, <laughs> uh, when I suspect there will be cleanup, uh, that is happening and tear down and all that. But yeah, interesting time to be there, uh, for sure. Well, I'm not, a, we... I'm not a big race car fan, so definitely not heading down there for the race, but, uh, you're going to come back be... in one of those F1 jackets yeah. with all the sponsors and everything. Big <laughs> F1 guy. Um, well, listen, you're not on holidays yet. Big nope. one tonight. You'll be uh, focusing on it. Um, take us back to, to this morning. You know, it's, it's sort of funny. You know, we're doing this every day like you and talking about, you know, the our hockey team here in Winnipeg. And you look around the league and the chaos in Edmonton and the firing of the coaches and what's happening in Toronto and Calgary. And, you know, the Winnipeg Jets just quietly going about their business with the same lineup, with the yep. same lines, um, and to their credit, playing pretty darn well, game in and game out. That being said, they did take an L against the uh, Stars um, in a pretty fun game on Saturday afternoon. couple days off in between. Now it's right back at it against the depleted Jersey Devils team that won't have Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Um, what, were, what were the storylines around the morning skate other than we're just back at it, trying to get another two points? It doesn't matter who's coming to our barn. Yeah, in that sense, Huss, they're they're a little bit of a boring hockey team right now, right? There's no in a good con- way. In a good way, exactly. There's no major controversy swirling, um, and as you say, their play has been mostly rock solid. I mean, of course, there, there's one area you can kind of pick apart with the Jets, and it kind of reared its ugly head again in in that loss on Saturday. It was their special teams play, because five on five, Huss, this Jets team is uh, is up there with the best. And, you know, it's interesting. We watch Dallas and they come in and Dallas looked really good. But you know what? The Jets looked pretty good as well. And they hung certainly five on five. They went toe to toe with the Stars. And then you see Dallas the next day go down to the Twin Cities and and put up an eight spot against the Minnesota Wild. The rested Minnesota Wild and Dallas was supposed to be the team that was, you know, tired. Uh, and you get a sense, I think, of just how good Dallas is and and how much the you know the Jets gave them a run for their money. Um, I think the storyline heading into tonight, Huss, again, because of special teams and maybe how the Jets have, have struggled at times, is they better be on their best behavior tonight. Because, yes, the, the, the Devils are missing, you know, two top centers, but they, they do have the number one power play in the NHL, and it's humming along. I think it's over 38% right now. And we all know that the Jets' PK has uh, has – been a sore spot at times this year so you know if the Jets keep this to mainly a five on five kind of game you got to like their chances 
uh, especially with two key players out for New Jersey. But if it turns into a parade to the penalty box, you're just giving New Jersey all kinds of opportunities. And they still have some really, you know, explosive weapons uh, despite missing Hughes and Heischer. So, you know, the Jets, they were talking about kind of trying to be on their best behavior. Scott O'Neill joked uh, that they will happily take, uh, you know, five on five all night, no penalties. Um, so that's that's one key storyline. And I think, you know, it's interesting, Huss. This is the start of three straight games here at home for the Jets against teams that I think you would almost group them together. And, and they're at different levels of the rebuild, if you will. But New Jersey, Arizona, Buffalo, like they have been three of the worst teams over the last several years. They've all had the benefit of some high draft picks. Uh, and, you know, they are all talked about as teams on the rise, a lot of youth, a ton of speed, a ton of skill. And so I think tonight, Huss, it's going to look a little different than it did against the Stars. You know, Dallas plays that Central Division style, a big, heavy you know, physical grind you down team, whereas the Devils and the Sabres and the Coyotes who come in to end this road trip on the weekend, they like to go, you know, a track meet, run and gun. And uh, so we'll see, you know, the Jets obviously have some weapons. They can play that way as well. Um, But it'll be a different style of hockey than certainly what we've seen the first two games of this homestand, you know, with the Predators and the Stars, uh, I think business is about to pick up uh, in terms of maybe the pace and, you know, some of the chances that we're probably likely to see on both ends here. You, you know, Mike, I, listen, we were so fired up about the Bombers' big win yesterday that we didn't spend a ton of time talking about the 3-2 loss to the Stars on Saturday. You mentioned special teams were a big part of that game. Um, I actually really liked the way the Jets played for the most of it. I mean, certainly yeah. that third period, they had a big comeback. I mean, man... That play Morgan Barron made shorthanded to Metzikoff. If that one goes in, the roof would have come off that place. Sure. And really energetic crowd, too, for an afternoon game, which, uh, you know, was not often the case. But the one thing that kind of stood out to me on both sides was just how good the sticks were of both teams. And the Winnipeg yeah. Jets in the neutral zone, I thought, did a really good job of, you know, of challenging Dallas. Um, and even players like Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti that you don't think of maybe in that vein, I thought stepped up to that challenge and were able to uh, to hang with Dallas. Like, what were your takeaways from that game? Because I think we all agree that as as much as the team did what they had to do and won those three games in the division, they were moving up a weight class in that challenge against Dallas that didn't end up going their way on the scoreboard. Yeah, and, you know, you look at some of the struggles Colorado's had recently. Haas, I know they won last night in Seattle. but uh, they had 2 at home to yeah, St. Louis? And 7 nothing to Vegas as well. Like, they had a couple absolute beatdowns that they were on the wrong end of that you're not used to seeing. I, I think, Haas, that certainly right now, Dallas is the cream of the Central Division crop. And, you know, it may not even be that close in terms of everybody else. Like, they may... They may ultimately leave the rest of the division in their dust, um, given how how that team is built and and how they're playing right now. Um, but I think the Jets have a compelling argument that they are, you know, certainly part of that next tier. And you look at the standings right now and how some of the other central teams, you know, how inconsistent they are. You know, whether you're talking Nashville or Minnesota or St. Louis, 
um, you know, and you got Chicago and Arizona that are early in their rebuild phases. Like there's every reason to believe the Jets are going to, you know, battle all season long to maybe be in that second or third place spot. Um, that's not to say they Dallas is out of reach, but I think we saw, you know, that Dallas is a very good hockey team. And to your point, Hus, the Jets played a pretty good hockey game against a really tough team. And so if they play that way, you know, against the majority of opponents, the majority of nights, the Jets are going to largely be successful. Um, you know, and, and we had seen some positive signs, certainly from the power play and the penalty kill in the few games before Saturday. You could say, well, maybe it took a bit of a step back, um, you know, in, in how Saturday played out. But I think the signs are there. And look, they're probably going to get Gabe Velarde back here in the next couple of weeks. That certainly can't hurt the power play. And I think to your earlier point about guys, you know, paying the price, sacrificing, getting sticks in lanes. I just look at that Nashville game last week, Huss, and you see Dylan Sandberg blocking nine shots, which was eight more shots than any other teammate. Um, you know, I think that's that's the style that you have to play. And in a lot of ways, it's it's based on the formula that made the Vegas Golden Knights so successful. And the Jets have now seen that up close twice this year. The way Vegas protects the front of the net, the way Vegas stacks the house, you know, their their commitment to winning, their sacrifice. Um, I think the Jets have, you know, they've got schooled a little bit twice by the Golden Knights, and maybe some of that is rubbing off in their own game. And if it does, uh, that, that certainly won't hurt their chances of, of having success. Um, and, and I mean, a, a big week and a big opportunity, especially with two game, two days on yeah. either side of this game against New Jersey, knowing that there's back-to-backs on the weekend. And again, God bless this team. Like Maybe I'm just bringing it up because we were beaten over the head with it for so many times over the Maurice era. But we never hear about time zones anymore. We never hear <laughs> about rest or anything like that. It's all about the game going forward. All that being said... Um, you know, you've got a depleted Jersey team coming in, a big opportunity to get back on a win streak, to, to start another win streak, yep. and then take care of business at home on the weekend against two teams that are dangerous before three days off, but, you know, a pretty big couple weeks, which include games in Tampa, in Florida, and then back at home again against the Dallas Stars, and then, of course, the uh, the Edmonton Oilers, who... Uh, <laughs> The resurgent have a two-game winning streak with their new head coach, um, but I would say that this this week, much like last, where there were games that you looked at teams at the Winnipeg Jets playing the way they should have been, should have a good chance to win. Um, but right now, it really is about stacking points, and we all know what's coming up. That, of course, is the U.S. Thanksgiving, which is a right. very significant date when it comes to historical indications of who's going to be in the Stanley cup playoffs and who isn't. Yeah. And I mean, this is a jets team Huss, that I don't think, or I know they're not just trying to eke in to the playoffs in a wild card spot. They, they want to be right there with the heavyweights in the Western conference and certainly in the central division, they're in the top three right now. And, you know, if you're the jets, you'd like to put a little separation between you and, and the teams that are fourth and fifth and sixth in the division. So, you know, a, a good chance to do that. And as you say, th- there's a lot of rest in their schedule right now. You know, they had been on the road so much. They played six of eight on the road. And the two that they played at home were both one-game homestands where they barely had, you know, a chance to even do their laundry. 
here they are now, you know, basically two full weeks sleeping in their own beds, um, some time between games. You know, they've, they've had some off days. Uh, tomorrow, for example, Scott O'Neill says they're going to have a skills day where uh, their practice will just consist of focusing on certain skills. So they can almost now have a themed practice that's a little different just to break up the monotony, if you will, of the season. And so certainly this is a great opportunity for the Jets to take advantage of what the schedule has to offer right now. And of course, this is a team that, you know, knock on wood, has managed to stay relatively healthy. Yes, Billy Hanela got injured the final preseason game. But other than Gabe Velarde's injury in game three, you know, this team, uh, and it's why we're seeing kind of the same lineup rolled out night after night, game after game, because they're healthy and they're also playing well. The good news is Gabe Velarde is working his way back. And I do wonder, Haas, you know, not to look too far ahead here, you mentioned playing Dallas again after that next road trip uh, through Florida and, and Nashville next week. Uh, two weeks from tonight, in fact, the Stars are in town, which will actually be six weeks to the day that Gabe Velarde got hurt. Today is four weeks to the day, and it was expected to be a four to six week recovery. Now, that's not science that's just guesswork but given where he is that he's now skated for several days in a row and the hope that he'll join the full team next week for practice start taking some contact I do wonder if that first game back home two weeks from now against the stars could potentially be a Gabe Velarde return and what a nice boost that would be uh, with what I expect will be the first place Dallas Stars back in town. Well, hey, let's quickly get into something that we kind of touched on yesterday and good problems to have. Alex Iafalo is producing big time with Shifley yeah. and Kyle Connor. The Lowry line has been so damn good, I don't think you could possibly think of changing that right now. So does Gabriel Velarde come back in in a center position with Ehlers and Perfetti potentially moving to Metzikoff down to the fourth line? That would be my guess, and that would be my you know, preference, quite frankly, having watched this team. You could also, I guess, potentially move Cole Perfetti back to center and have Gabe Velarde you know, start on the, on the wing as he comes back from his injury. Of course, Cole Perfetti's move to wing certainly hasn't hurt his game, Huss. He's put up nine points in the last nine. Um, you know, he's on a bit of a heater right now. And so maybe, you know, Cole Perfetti's not broken, so maybe you're not trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. But, um, yeah, you know, it was interesting. I had a great conversation yesterday with Nikolai Ehlers, uh, a one-on-one, where he was quite blunt about his own play. And, you know, I think it's a bit surprising to see a Jets team that's scoring three and a half goals a game. I think they're 10th overall in the NHL. you got all these guys, you know, on track for career years, whether it's Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, uh, Brendan Dillon of all players. Um, you know, here we are. Nikolai Ehlers has played all 14 games. Brendan Dillon has twice as many goals as Nikolai Ehlers, who is 10th on his own team in scoring with just six points. Uh, and Nikolai Ehlers, you know, was pretty critical of his own play. He also talked about his line. And while he likes a lot of what his line with Cole Perfetti, Vlad Nemesica had have done. You know, one thing he mentioned to me, Huss, is that we're all small guys. And he talked about that they, they're getting rid of the puck too quickly. And he was pointing to the game against Dallas that while he liked a lot of what they did off the rush, he felt they were too quick to give up the puck. 
And the implication when he talked about being small guys almost seemed to be saying maybe we're shying away a little bit from some of the physicality against heavier teams like Dallas. And that's where I, I'd be interested where a guy like Gabe Velarde, who, you know, is a bigger man, strong, um, what he might do for Nikolai Ehlers and, you know, hopefully keep a Cole Perfetti rolling. And this is no slight against Vlad Domestikov. I just think, again, good problems to have. The Jets have the depth. To me, if we're talking Gabe Velarde and, and assuming everybody is still healthy in a couple of weeks when Velarde's ready to return, that just seems like the natural point for him to get back in the lineup and not mess with, as you say, the first line. Well, I don't even, I don't know what you can call them anymore. Call them the first and third line or the two first lines. Adam Lowry's line is not a, a third line and they're certainly not playing like a third line, but those two lines, they're going so well. Uh, to me, I would bring Velarde in, put him with Ehlers and Cole Perfetti. And then you have Nemesikov slide down to that fourth line which really can only make that line stronger. And then you got a decision to make. Are you taking David Gustafson out of the lineup? Is it someone else? Is it Rasmus Kapari? I don't think Morgan Barron's coming out. So, again, good problems to have if you're the Jets. Well, and listen, uh, full credit to Gus. I mean, he has certainly made the most of this opportunity. Uh, He stayed healthy. He stayed in the lineup. He scored, and he's been very responsible. And that fourth line's been playing a lot. Um, Speaking of playing the lines, um, you know, and I know that, you know, this is sort of a private matter and they haven't given any updates, uh, you know, publicly, but are we hearing any good news about, uh, about Judy bonus? Um, and, and is there any, any clarity about how long Rick bonus might be away from the team? Or is that frankly, just something that is more in the background right now as things rolling with, uh, with Scott Arneal calling the shots? Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's, Certainly not. It's not being felt like there's an urgency that Rick Bonus has to rush back because yeah. the team is is you know struggling without him. And and, I, and we knew that when Scott O'Neill kind of took the reins that they would be in very good hands. Um, all I can really say, Rick uh, Haas, is that it just sounds like don't expect anything to change in the near future. That this is probably the way it's going to be for a while. Um, you know, Rick Bonus, I think is knows that he has all the time he needs. And quite frankly, that's that's how it should be. Um, and so, you know, the Jets, and, and we've seen that with this organization, right? The way they took care of, you know, Neil Pionk and Alex Iafalo and, and those guys flying them, you know, from, from Phoenix to Minnesota for Adam Johnson's uh, funeral and celebration of life and then chartering them to St. Louis. And same goes with Rick Bonus. Um, you know, the organization, I think, is is doing everything it can to provide the support. Um, and, and you know, Rick Bonus knows that. Judy Bonus knows that. So, yeah, I mean, I, Scott O'Neill said a couple of weeks ago that uh, there was, you know, that, that they were hearing good things about Judy's progress. Uh, but it sounds like Scott O'Neill is probably going to be uh, at the helm here for the foreseeable future. And uh, to the, the credit of the whole organization, uh, they really haven't missed a beat, and uh, and that's you know that just speaks volumes about this group. Hey, Mike, uh, I, I know you got to go uh, just quickly uh, before you do the game and get to Vegas. Uh, what do you think about Sunday, Bombers Owls? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are probably saying, well, maybe the Bombers dodged a bullet, right? They they don't have to face the sixteen and two Argonauts. Um, of course, that proved to be no match for Montreal and and that defense and what they 
what they managed to do to Toronto with the nine turnovers and, you know, the couple pick sixes, like you just don't see that kind of defensive domination very often. And so if you're the, the bomber optimist here, you say, well, they can't possibly do that again on defense. Can they like, that would be akin to lightning striking twice to have that kind of performance. But I think what it certainly does is it tells the bombers not that they would have come into this game, you know, feeling overconfident or that they dodged a bullet because of who their opponent is. But, you know, I think it's an extra warning shot that the Bombers best be on their toes. And, of course, it looks like the Bombers won't necessarily have their full complement in, in uh, Dalton Schoen, you know, possibly going to miss the game as well. And, and Adam Big Hill and what a what a devastating injury that was to see the guy that is the undisputed leader on that D kind of hobbling off, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. And that's, that's the cruelty sometimes of sports. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I still like the Bombers chances. I think this is a, this is such a professional outfit. And again, there's no complacency. Um, yeah, I saw Mike O'Shea was asked yesterday, you know, is this getting old for you just showing up, you know, being at the great cop <laughs> and he's like, we, we would never take this for granted. And those aren't just words. Like th- that's truly how this group feels nor should they, right? I mean, what they've done here is truly special. And you'd like to think it can continue forever. Uh, the reality is at some point, you know, this this incredible run is, is going to come to an end. Their run of Grey Cups obviously came to an end last year. Now they have a chance to maybe start a new streak. And three out of four would just be, you know, to me, the stuff of dynasties, really. So, yeah, I'm picking the Bombers. But uh, I think that Montreal defense, they're for real. Um, they've obviously they're red hot. You know, you could say nobody's hotter given the, the win streak that they had just to get into the playoffs and now to beat Toronto. So I'll take the Bombers uh, by a touchdown. I think it'll be a, a good competitive game, but I think Winnipeg comes out on top. Mike, have a great trip. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, your work in tomorrow's free press, hopefully talking about a, a big win for the home team and make sure you're always very good on the road with firing out some pictures. Yes. I'm very interested in how chaotic Vegas is going to be this weekend with the F1. And definitely everyone can't get enough of the sphere. So uh, I know you'll fire out a few there. <laughs> you can you can bet on it. That's right, Huss. Have a great trip. Thanks, Thanks for doing this, buddy. All right, on. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, okay, we're not hooking up with Shane O'Brien today, but we are about to go down to the jet dressing room a little bit more in tonight's game. We'll hear from... Head, head coach, interim head coach, Scott Arneal, as well as second star of the week, none other than Mr. KFC, Kyle Connor. Um, just before we do that, though, got to give a shout-out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. What a great addition Little Brown Jug has been to both of our big sporting venues. There was a time in Winnipeg when only the original craft beer corner at the Gold Eyes was the place where you could get great local beer. Not anymore. Tons of 1919 enjoyed at the Bomber game on Sunday. And of course, now and throughout the season, when you're going down to uh, Canada Life Center, make sure to check out Craft Beer Corner. Section 126, near where the old Moxie's was in the lower bowl, and up in the bar at Section 310, 1919, and my personal favorite, Little Brown Jug Generic Lager, now available. As I mentioned last week as well, make sure to follow Little Brown Jug on their social channels. Because we uh, will be doing uh, some uh, jet games there. Um, they'll be uh, playing the games on a big screen with sound. 
Um, not something that they had the uh, ability to do before, but uh, they continue to grow. And especially with so many Winnipeg Sports Talk fans being big little brown jug fans, could be a great spot to get together with some friends for the game. And again, Circle, December 6th, Wednesday night. Little WST holiday gathering that you are all invited to down at Little Brown Jug. Find out more on all their socials and, of course, littlebrownjug.ca. Online ordering, delivery, get ready for the holidays. Stock up with Winnipeg's finest. And I big thanks to our friends Nick and Nikki DQ. Of course, they've got three DQ locations, the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the DQ in Neverville, Blizzards, Delicious Stack Burgers, all those great DQ ice cream cakes they can custom make for you. Uh, but speaking of Neverville, they've also got the new Pita Pit out there. If you're in Neverville, check out the new Pita Pit. Healthy, fresh, delicious, fast. And they also do amazing catering, which they can deliver anywhere inside of the city of Winnipeg. So if you have catering needs, birthday parties, school lunches, those sort of things, no better spot to do it with than Pita Pit. Nick and Nikki would love to help you out. Uh, email them at niverville at pitapitmb.ca or hit them up on X or Instagram at pitapitniverville. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, just before we get to the dressing room and hear what Scott O'Neill had to say about tonight's game, what? Uh, well, how are you feeling about this one tonight? About the Jets? Um, I think you got to feel... Pretty good. Uh, the team's playing consistently. They're playing well, and I think it's easy to feel a bit better about their chances when, while they don't have Jack Hughes, who's playing at a ridiculous uh, pace before, and Nico Heischer. That's their two top centers. Uh, so uh, the way if the Jets continue to play the way they've played all season, uh, they should be okay. I'd like to see you know special teams uh, has been a bit of a blemish at times, but this New Jersey lineup. I think, you know, they do have some really good players in Jesper Bratt, Timo Meyer, who's although had had a down year. Jesper Bratt's incredible. I can't yeah. wait to see him tonight. He uh, he stood out to me so much last year when Jersey was here. Um and he's everywhere right now for New Jersey and playing a much bigger role with uh two of their big boys down the middle out out. Yeah, Tyler Toffoli as well has had a really good year, but I mean they're missing so much of their offensive firepower that made them great. So I'm curious uh, how it's going to go for them here. Here's just a look at the lines. Like Michael McLeod, Michael McLeod's their top line center between Meyer and Jesper Brad. That's a bit of a drop off from Heesher or Hughes. Yeah. And Dawson Mercer, a lot of people thought he was going to have a, a breakout season. Hasn't gone that way so far. Uh, he's on the second line in between Toffoli and Alexander Holt. So I think their depth has taken a hit. Andre Palat and Eric Hall on the third line with Curtis Lazar. And who this? Fourth line, Thomas Nosek, Chris Tierney, and Nathan Bastian. The D, Luke Hughes, he's elevated top here with Dougie Hamilton, Jonas Siegenthaler, John Marino, Kevin Ball, and Brendan Smith on the third pairing. So this isn't, not as dangerous. So this is certainly a nice uh, out-of-conference. You know, sometimes these sleep, you know, these road teams come in here on a Tuesday, maybe get a bit sleepy, uh, and the Jets can catch them off guard. Well, we'll uh, see what happens. Puck drop is just after 7 p.m. at Canada Life Center. Jets and the New Jersey Devils. Let's head to the Jet uh, dressing room. And, I um, mean, you know, we kind of mentioned, even without Heischer and Jack Hughes, this power play is still pretty darn lethal, uh, both from the back end and the players like Meyer, Toffoli, Jesper Brad up front. Um, 
penalty killing still needs to improve for Winnipeg, certainly on the results. Here's what O'Neill had to say about this lethal Devils power play. Yeah, they're uh, they're extremely dangerous, number one in the league, and they've been run at a high percentage all year. I know there's no Hughes and Heischer who were a big part of that first unit, but um, Brad has really stepped in there, and he's got 14 points on the power play. Um, Luke Hughes has jumped into that top unit. Uh, they've moved Hamilton to the second unit. They've got some experienced guys to fully coming over from Calgary. You know, Palat coming, you know, obviously being there for a year and a half coming from Tampa. They've got experience and they know how to play on that, those um, man advantage situations. Um, they move the puck quick and they attack the neck quick. And there's always, if there's a shot or a play that's going somewhere near the blue paint, there's four guys coming and crashing and, and they're getting there. So, um, like I said, without Hughes, I mean, he's dynamic. He's He covers the whole ice surface. You can't pin him on one spot uh, on left flank or right flank. He's moving all the time. Uh, but now Brad is kind of into that mode. So um, lots of different looks that you get, and so you got to be prepared for a little bit of everything. Yeah, high praise for Jack Hughes, who won't be in. However, his kid brother, Luke Hughes, who's looked pretty darn good so far this season with a great beginning to his NHL career, will be in the lineup and uh, just part of the uh, you know exciting young up-and-coming team that New Jersey is right now. Um, here's uh, Arneal on uh, the youth and uh, the upward trajectory of this New Jersey franchise. We saw it last week when we were away. We went to Montreal and Detroit, or Detroit and Montreal, young teams that could fly and push the pace. Uh, that's what these guys are going to do. And um, No matter which team you're sort of opponent, you're playing the heavy ones or the fast ones, um, you, you still have to manage the puck. It's all about what your, your puck decisions are. Um, but when we play fast against these kind of teams, that's when we're at our best too. And we don't, uh, you know, we're not going back hanging on to pucks. Um, we're not going back through the neutral zone trying to make, you know, the, you know, cute plays. We're, we're, we're just get turning it and getting it up and getting after them and getting it below the, the opposition's hash marks, and that's when we go to work. So, um, you know, us being real smart with it with the puck is going to be a big part of our success. A little more from Scott Arneal coming up. Uh, one of the things that we talked about with Mike um, was the fact that, you know, right now, this month of November for the Winnipeg Jets – they do have, you know, uh, you know, three different instances over the next couple of weeks of two days off in a row, which just doesn't happen that often in the busy NHL schedule. Um, and they've got back-to-back two days off at home, well, two days heading into this game, and another two days for the weekend. And now that is allowing the Jets uh, a little bit more legitimate practice time Arneal was just talked about the uh, benefits of the schedule and uh, getting his team on the ice for full practices before they look to continue their winning ways. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think Bones, I think, talked about it at the start of the year. This is probably one of the best uh, schedules we've seen for getting good workload in, working into the second half of the year because uh, there can be times where you can go long stretches without having practice, and it's so important for these guys uh, to get their touches to get their conditioning, uh, to get the feel, uh, whether it's specialty teams to get their work, um, partners, defense partners, you know, having, you know, working together out there. So we're, we're taking advantage of all this stuff because we know that it's going to get heavy again. And, uh, you know, we it is nice to have these breaks. If you are banged up a little bit, those guys get to heal somewhat. Um, you know, tomorrow we're going to do throw a different wrinkle at them. We'll throw a skills day at them. We're just going to have them where they just completely do skills on the ice. So it gives us a chance to kind of change it up a little bit as well. All right, so uh, as Mike uh, mentioned, you know, a little bit of a different look at practice tomorrow should be interesting, but um, 
that practice will be a lot more fun if they can get two points uh, tonight. Uh, of course, on the other side of the arena, well, I guess same side of the arena, other side of the benches of the red line, if you will, is uh, an old pal of Arnie, someone he knows very well in Lindy Ruff. Uh, Arnie talked about coaching against Ruff tonight. Yeah, you know, we go back as, first of all, as teammates from Buffalo and then uh, just a great person, great teammate. And, uh, you know, I was coaching here with the Moose and he called me about coming to Buffalo. And um, it was, uh, you know, to, to, to be there with him and he's had a lot of experience over the years. He's a uh, um, he's worked in some great situations, some real good teams over the years. He's had, you know, Olympic success, and um, he's got a lot of knowledge. And you know, he helped me kind of see the game a little bit different than, you know, maybe how I thought it at the time. So, some real good experiences moving along. And then we got to get work together again in New York, which was uh, great to be back with him again. And uh, you know, I just love to see that he's still going. How have you grown as a coach since those first days in the NHL? Uh, you're in this game. The game is always changing. Um, you know, every year. Stanley Cup champions kind of dictate kind of how the, change, the game changes a little bit. It's, uh, we, we copycat each other, but at the end of the day, as a coach, just like players, their players are changing. The game has changed from five years ago to where it is today. As a coach, you got to stay current. you got to stay you know, up to speed what's happening. So um, you never get stuck in just one way of doing things. You have to be uh, open-minded both towards how the players look at things and how you approach things. And it's probably the biggest thing for me is just making sure that I stay current. Yeah, that was a really interesting uh, interesting answer there. I mean, first on, obviously, the long relationship that uh, Arnie's had with Lindy, R- Lindy Ruff, dating back to his playing days in Buffalo. But also, Reem, in, you know, the changing nature of the game and being on top of it and at times trying to get ahead of it. And, you know, I think we're learning more and more about Scott Arneal as a coach, um, you know, during this unfortunate time that Bones is away. Uh, but I think part of the reason why it hasn't been as much of a story, first and foremost, I mean, everyone just concerned about the bonus family. But also Scott Arneal, I think, proven that, um, you know, he's got a pretty good grip on things and uh, has continued to have his team playing at a high level. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think this is what you want to see from the Jets, us playing with consistency. You know what you're getting every night. Um, and they've certainly played pretty well this season and well enough to win even the games that they've lost. So a uh, big test here against New Jersey and looking forward to how they, uh, how they bounce back from what Saturday afternoon's loss. Kind of got overshadowed by uh, the Bombers win, but Hey, there was a game. It was in the afternoon. It was actually a great crowd. Us uh, there on Saturday for the season. And uh, it was, we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see how they come, you know, tonight, but also this weekend, big Friday, Saturday, uh, you know, weekend games. So that's exciting for sure too. Yeah, the uh, yeah, for everyone that's been waiting for a Friday or Saturday game to get out to the barn, uh, no better time than the present. And get your pucks in on Friday or Saturday night and then settle in for what should be a, a very, very fun Sunday, I think, for Winnipeg football fans. Uh, before we leave the Jet dressing, let's hear from Kyle Connor, who had a sizzling week being named the second star of the week. Obviously, Mark Shifley, Alex Iafalo had a big part in that as well. Here's uh, Kyle Connor on uh, the honor that was announced yesterday. Yeah, it's always nice. Um, you know, we had a, a lot of good players on our team play play well last, last week, but um, it's good to get recognition, I guess. And, um, 
you know, Shaif and I follow a great week as well. Um, you know, those, obviously those guys don't get recognized, but, um, you know, just I'm, you know, excited about the way this team's been playing so far and, you know, looking forward to what we can do down the road here. Yeah, the offensive stays being what they are, but is it more validation for how you guys have been playing at all three zones? For sure. We take a lot of pride in, you know, developing our game all over the ice, not just being a one-trick pony. Um, yeah, the offense is, is there, and we obviously know the chemistry that, you know, our line has developed throughout the season right now, but, you know, we continue to take those strides and be tough to play against and, you know, make it a nightmare for whoever we go against every single night. All right, Kyle Connor, making it a nightmare for whoever they're going up against every single night. <laughs> Here for that. Um, listen, we've talked a lot about Shifley and Kyle Connor, but Alex Hyafal has been a big, big part of the resurgence of that top line over the past week or so. Uh, here's one more from Kyle Connor on just that developing chemistry with Ayafalo, who is in that spot where his former teammate Gabriel Bellardi started the campaign. Really, it's been right away. He's been an easy player to read, and then that's that's a compliment to his game. I think it's he's uh, he plays so hard, and um, you know when he has the puck, it's you know he's you know he's taking to the net or making a strong play. It's nothing nothing too crazy and turning the puck over, and um, that, that's made it really easy to play with. And um, you know I, I think his game has only gotten better. You see, obviously, you know the skill he has uh, to finish and make plays even on the power play. You know finding Shife cross seam and in St. Louis down low, like he's got that type of skill, and um, so I'm just enjoying learning about his game and um you know taking strides every every game every practice and you know learning from him and trying to get better high praise for alex iafalo who uh king's coaches formerly referred to as the human deodorant because he covered up uh, the bad things for many teammates he's just fit in so well remus and i mean everyone's excited to see gabriel velarde back rasmus kapari's played an important role in this jets team so far but just comparing the offensive output to Alex from Alex I have followed to Pierre Luc Dubois continues to make Kevin Shoveldayoff look pretty darn good for that uh, offseason trade. Yeah, I'm just pulling up uh, the points right now. Alex I follow 14 games, 12 points, four goals, eight assists, almost point per game as that's pretty good. Let's look at El Dubois, 14 games, four goals, four assists, eight points. Man, I followed half those. He had the same number of assists in one game as Dubois had all season. So, I, I mean, part of that might be might be role. I mean, du, Dubois has been, what, like third, second, third center at times, and follow has been thrust to the top line, but can't argue with the production and the raw numbers there, and uh, I don't think the Jets have lost too much from this uh, Dubois trade. And, again, I'll always say, like, these, you know, like in fantasy where someone's like, hey, I'll give you – you know, three crappy guys for your best guy. And this wasn't wasn't that trade. The Jets got, like, solid uh, players in return. Maybe Dubois is the top guy, but, I mean, Villardi's certainly shown uh, potential last year. I think health has been a problem for him throughout his career, and unfortunately, you know, he was injured. But, hey, I follow his, He's played in the top line before, too. He's played with Kopitar and Brown. He's played top power play. And he certainly fit in, fit in well. And these are the, the style of players that the Jets uh, didn't really have. So uh, I, I like this trade. And, oh, yeah, Kupari's uh, fastest recorded skating time of any player in the He's league this year. Can't take it away from him. The edge stats don't lie. <laughs> he is a burner. Uh, and listen, I mean, that's uh, really contributed to the depth that we've seen from this club that I'm sure will be tested in a bigger way at some point this season through injuries. But right now, I mean, the big one up front's been Gabriel Velarde, and Alex Ifalo has popped in to fill the spot of his former Kings teammate. 
Um, and uh, they've taken it from uh, from there. 7 p.m. tonight. Devils and Jets, of course, after the game. Hit up IC, hit up KNR for post-game coverage, and uh, we'll be all over it tomorrow on the program as well. Hey, listen, before we get to the Cool Bet lines, and I do have a WST exclusive that I cooked up for tonight's game. Phyllis and Bridget, I think, are going to love this one. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Frank Saravelli reporting that the, the GMs have discussed the idea of changing a rule to limit teams from, from continually looping back and regrouping in three-on-three overtime. So a uh, essentially a backcourt violation uh, at the red-blue line or some sort of a shot clock. I got to say, I'm sort of here for this. I mean, I love three-on-three, three, but at times it can get a little tedious. We knew the coaches would start to figure it out and maybe take some of the fun out of it, and that has been the case. It is all about puck possession right now. The other team can't score if you have the puck, and teams are willingly taking plenty of the five minutes off the board to change and maintain possession. Um, I can understand why they're thinking about this, Michael. I saw this and I was pumped. Three on three, not what it used to be, Huss. Uh, it's, I think it's a problem. Guys are entering the zone. Oh, you don't like your luck? Well, let's just take the puck and loop all the way around back to our own blue line. So if they did have like a backcourt violation that kept you within the red line, um, I would be here for that. You know, if you didn't want to make any changes, just extend it to 10 minutes. I think that would. Listen, that, I see Doug Phil saying that. You're saying that. People say that. I, that is they're not, not going to they're not yeah. do that. I, I agree, no but, way. So, the okay. The PA is going to say get bent. Okay. So I'm just saying if, if you don't want to make any changes, if you're like against so, so do that. Or I think we can all agree, just change the point system to remove the incentive to get to overtime. Or Thank give them. You. Give them some incentive to try to win because, you know, we watch a lot of games, Huss. When it gets to, like, overtime, the end, well, they're just happy to hold the puck. and. Well, and tonight's a perfect example. you got yep. two teams that are, you know, in playoff spots right now. Mm-hmm. It's about getting points. If this game is 2-2 with two minutes left, mm-hmm. we're not going to see teams going all out to try to win the game in regulation. They'll take their point and see what happens in three-on-three overtime. And that happens every night in the National Hockey League. So if you want to move away from that, like why don't you maintain the integrity of the 60-minute game and make every team worth the same? And you beat a team in regulation, you get three points. Mm -hmm. If you don't, both teams get one, and you play for the extra, whether it finishes in a three-on-three overtime or a shootout, that's how the extra point. It makes way too much sense. Kind of like the balanced schedule in the Canadian Football League, but for, for some reason, they never seem to want to go that way. We talk about this all the time. Like, why are some games worth three standing points and some worth two? It doesn't, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And I would be okay, you know, if they just had ties and no shootout, too. Like, give teams an That's incentive. St- come on, that is so yes. dumb. Ties? I'm here for ties. The shootout, it's a skills competition. It's deciding playoffs. Spoken like someone that sits in the press box and no. doesn't buy tickets. I, Who buys a ticket and wants to walk, walk out tie? I watch. Uh, no, I'd rather not have three on three overtime or a shootout. Let's just call it a tie. No, I want overtime. But if it's tied after overtime, if you can't score in three, I don't, don't do the shootout. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't care for the shootout. It's dumb. I, I, I watch games on TV. 
you know, I'm watching all the games and following fantasy and stuff. Gets into a shootout, I switch the channel. I'm done with the shootout. That okay, well then you should just be watching the game or just why don't you just get score app updates and don't watch at all? I do get uh, the like, score updates. Nothing worse than having the best players in the world go one on one with the best goalies in the world. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I don't want to see that. I'd rather just leave. I don't. It takes Said too nobody. long. It takes too long. It takes too long. Yeah, it takes too long. The teams aren't trying to win in regulation, Huss. They're not trying to win in overtime anymore. That I agree. So get rid of the shootout. Make them tr- force them to try to win it when actual hockey. And if they can't win, screw them both. They can just get they, they get a, both you know get what? a point. You usually have pretty good takes. This is up for one of your worst takes of 2023. No. Like, no. like do people leave? Like, have you ever seen anyone leave when the shootout starts? No, of course not. Like, fans are not like, as I say, I, it, it, it always, I, I hear this, this take every now and then from media people like, oh, let's just get rid of the shoot. I heard a guy on 960 talking about, oh, you know what? Let's just bring back ties. Yeah. Bring like, them back. Bring back ties. Tell these teams to try and win in regulation because I'm sick of this, like looping back. And, uh, you know, not trying to score and sick of uh, regulation, just standing behind your net, you know, at the end in a tie game, just waiting for the clock. To run. Yeah, we'll, we'll press our luck in overtime. Like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with if that. there's anyone that's like anti-shootout, if there's anyone that's ever said, well, you know, we didn't get it done in overtime. I'm out of here. I'm not sticking around for the shootout. Please let me know. No, I because don't think- I don't think that person exists. And if they are, they're full of bleep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I Hey, I'm just saying, when I watch on TV and the game ends and it's a shootout, I'm changing the channel and going to another game where there's actually hockey being I, played. I call bullshit. That is not a game no off. Way. You can't get, and who? I'm, I see Owen Catelli in chat. He says, I'm talking fantasy. Yeah, you can't get fantasy points in the shootout. So, like, who cares? And standing, the standing points are, what be, are complete BS, anyways. Sometimes I wish I was the CTO so I could <laughs> execute a mute right now. <laughs> but yes, you could be uh, like Tony. The reality. bottom line is this would all be solved if it was three point games for all of it, which brings back to something that we can all agree on: the point system doesn't make any sense in the National Hockey League. All right, let's get to this game tonight. Now it's actually a pretty busy night in the NHL. Uh, I got something cooked up for the Jets, and we got a lock shot parlay, which I'll drop for you. But let's just go through all these games. Uh, Boston is in Buffalo. The Bruins minus 152 favorites. Buffalo plus 129. Buffalo was plus 133 when we did the lock shop. So maybe a little money coming in on the home savers. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are in Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets not going well for uh, Pascal Vincent and Seabus. I think I saw... Bridget mentioning, I know she's a big Line A uh, fan and pays close attention to the Jackets. Johnny Gaudreau has one goal and he's starting on the third line tonight. That's not good. Uh, they're plus 155 underdogs. The uh, Penguins minus 184. Flames need a win. They, uh, they lost in that shootout to the uh, Leafs on, what was it, Friday night? And then took an L in regulation to the Sens. They uh, they've won two of their last ten. They need a win tonight. I do like Calgary. They're in Montreal to take on the Habs. Habs uh, plus one twenty seven. Flames minus one fifty. 
Uh, Vegas is in Washington after their big trip to the White House yesterday. Golden Knights minus 154 favorites. Caps home dogs at plus 131. Dallas Stars back at home after uh, beating the Jets and then pumping the wild, putting up an eight spot. The snowman on the card for the Dallas Stars on Sunday. Um, they're minus two, two, three favorites. Arizona plus 185. Staying away from that one. I, I could totally see that one getting into overtime or a shootout or something like that. Going to be uh, tough for Dallas to I maybe get up for this game as much as they did for those big two divisional games. Although this is another big one, and Peter DeBoer gets the most out of that club. You've got the Ducks and Predators playing in Nashville. Nashville, a big favorite, minus 181 at home. Ducks plus 153. The Lightning are taking on the Blues. Tampa minus 129 favorites. Blues plus 110. We didn't even talk about that 8-2 thrashing in Denver of the Avalanche on the weekend, Remus. And I kind of had to check to see if they'd screwed up the teams because from what we've seen of the Blues against the Jets, that didn't look like it was a team capable of putting up eight against anybody. Yeah, I agree. Rob Thomas, we have four assists. In that one, nice breakout game for him. Everyone in my fantasy league's rushing to pick up Braden Shin, too, from the eight-goal opers. But yeah, St. Louis <laughs> had not looked very good, and uh, Colorado's dealing with some injuries. Arturi Lekkinen banged up. Nakushkin's been elevated to the top line, and uh, Jonathan Druin's back in, got his first of the year yesterday. So the, the Avs did get back on the rung, but hey, it's uh, hey man, this is the National Hockey League. Any team can win on any night, and we we certainly saw that before. I'm surprised Lightning are only minus 129 against the Blues. I think they've, I think their well, goaltending's been questionable at times. Is that what it is? Well, I mean, they just like they have been sort of questionable at times. I mean, they've had some nice wins, but they've also had some kind of ugly losses. Like they are coming off a four, nothing defeat at home to the hurricanes. Before that, they lost five, three at home to the Blackhawks. Um, they beat the Habs lost to the Leafs, beat the Sens, and then had back-to-back losses to the blue jackets and the Kraken. They've just been sort of okay. So far this year, they're running along at six, five and four good for 16 points in 15 games. And, I think a lot of people looking at St. Louis going, hey, they're really feeling it. They won four of their last five. It's the one game against Winnipeg that we all watched. We kind of think that's where St. Louis is, but they've had good results against most of uh, most of the other teams. Um, late one tonight, Shark Tank. Panthers minus 270. Sharks plus 220. Just about, just about even money on the Panthers by two. We'll get to that in a minute in the uh, lock shop partner parlay. But here's the Jets. The Jets are minus 142. Devils plus 121. Yesterday when we were looking at the these Remo, they did have it listed, and the Jets were open at minus 125. So obviously a lot of people liking the Jets tonight, and a big part of that goes without saying is the uh, loss of Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer tonight. Uh, but if we go into uh, goal scorers, who do we got for Winnipeg? KFC plus 125. He's been hot. Mark Scheifele, plus 153. Uh, you got three guys in the Devils. Toffoli, 163. Timo Meyer, plus 180. Jesper Bratt, plus 195. And Nikolai Ehlers in at plus 205. I like Ehlers to get one tonight. I thought he played maybe his best game of the year against Dallas. He's feeling it right now. Cole Perfetti's getting a point a game. I think this is a night that Ehlers breaks out. We'll touch on that in a minute. Other Jet goal scorers, if you want to sprinkle, uh, Alex Iafalo plus 235. Nino plus 245. 
Cole Perfetti plus 320. Mason Appleton plus 385. Nemetsnikov plus 385. Morrissey plus 420. Adam Lowry plus 460. We've even got Gus listed plus 580. Maybe Gus pops one just before he finishes up. Uh, Morgan Barron plus 660. Pionk plus 660. Rasmus <laughs> Kapari plus 700. Dylan DeMello plus 590. Uh, there's one guy noticeably absent from this list, Remus. Mm-hmm. It's Brandon Dillon, who scored in three of the last four games and has four goals in his last four games. Oh, I the disrespect to Brandon Dillon. He's not on here. Sorry, I can't believe that. I was just saw Ehlers. You mentioned him. I was just couldn't. I'm still going back to your conversation where what Brandon Dillon has more goals than Ehlers at this point. I just, you know, I heard Ehlers and I was like, yeah, you know what? He's for sure. Because at no point in the season should Dillon have more goals. And Eels, no offense to Dylan, who has shown this rocket of a shot, but I haven't been able to get that thought out of my head. Pucks on net. Pucks on net. So, uh, anyways, uh, the uh, Kubik guys asked me to put together a Winnipeg Sports Talk parlay for today, which we did. Um, so, we're going to go with an Ehlers goal. Ehlers to score. Culper Fetty to get at least a point, And the Jets to win. Plus 580. Right now, up in the cool bet exclusives. And then we stayed away from the jets. I don't like to bet the jets straight up or put it on our part late parlays. It just, it seems to be bad juju. And the more I don't, the more the team wins. So I will keep it going that way, but we are going to take the golden Knights in Washington on the money line, the flames in Montreal on the money line and the Panthers minus one and a half. That one opened at plus six twenty five, but I see it's actually just dropped to six to one. Uh, and we have had mm-hmm. a great couple weeks with uh, putting our heads together in the lock shop. So we'll see if we can do it again on a big slate. So that's all there at Cool Bet. Use the promo code WST if you haven't played there before for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And don't forget the lock shop is live at noon before Winnipeg Sports Talk over on the Edmonton Sports Talk channel. It should be a good night tonight, though. Uh, lots of... Lots of hockey. Um, we'll kind of dive in on that for the next couple of days. But, um, Remo, you know, it's Grey Cup week. And uh, we are, I don't know, about 30 hours or so away from, uh, less than 30 hours away from being on that plane to the hammer. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for this. And uh, the practice updates are coming out. Shout out to Ed Tate. Uh, you know, last year, I almost forgot about all this because we kind of blacked out last year. But, yes, there was a Zach Calera's injury watch. Remember, we were watching, like, video how he was walking into press conferences and trying to how he got analyze off the plane. It. Yeah, there was we didn't really have have that this year, but so unfortunately, he, I don't think there's a lot of mystery like we talked about with Hammer uh, as far as Adam Big Hill. Big Hill is there. Big Hill's with the team. Yeah. He'll be a big part of this week, but I don't expect him to play. And he was out there in a walking boot. Although speaking of walking boots, according to Ed Tate, Dalton shown out not practicing but also not in a walking boot. But uh, there is the man they call Biggie on the sidelines. Yeah. Actually, does he have the walking boot no, off there? he doesn't have one there. Um, okay, so here's the update. Adam Bighill is at practice, not participating. Shown there, as you said, he's not practicing, but not wearing a walking boot. All right, walking boot. Who's wearing one? Who's Is that this, this year? <laughs> and Nick Dembski is there in gear, but he's not wearing a helmet. That's 
he's wearing gear, but is he not practicing? He's just running. I don't know what what he's doing out there. Well, that's, that's what he did all last week along with Rasheed yeah. Bailey. They were out there a little bit. They ran around a little bit, but they didn't practice. And guess what? They were both good to go on Sunday. I expect them to be good to go on Sunday as well. Would be incredible for the Bombers if somehow Dalton Schoen was able oh. to go on Sunday. Um, that I, I, I can pretty much guarantee you that he'll be listed as a game-time decision. <laughs> yeah. And- no matter what. Um and hell, Big Hill will probably be the, uh, listed as a game-time decision, even though I don't think there's a lot of hope that he can play. But um, uh, listen, they've got guys to guys to fill in, much like they did last week. And uh, as I say, I cannot wait. We're going to be around the team. We'll uh, get plenty from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Hamilton over the course of Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then the big game on Sunday, an early flight back, and uh, hopefully a big-time Victory Monday show on Monday after the uh, Bombers take on the Alouettes at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton for the Grey Cup. Yes, and uh, Ted Wyman, his report on how is Adam Big Hill walking, he says he's walking somewhat gingerly, but walking nonetheless. So, I mean, it's better than how he left the field on Saturday. So we'll see about Big Hill and and the rest. Dalton showing that would be awesome if he suited up too. We'll so we'll be on the watch for I can't wait I can't wait for a video of Big Hill walking and we can break it down frame by frame. You got it. Um uh, and hey, by the way, speaking of cool bit, just uh there has been a bit of line movement uh in the Grey Cup, as I expected yesterday. It's gone from seven and a half to eight and a half in favor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Total is still forty seven. Bombers minus 385 on the money line. Alouettes plus 305. But the bomber, the line has gone up a point, a full point right now, eight and a half. I'm really expecting this thing finishes nine something. I don't think it'll get maybe as high as 10, but I do think nine or nine and a half will be the number by the time we, uh, by the time we finish up, Reem. Yeah, and you're just looking to win um, minus 385 for the Bombers. So when my mom asked me, she says, hey, what are the Bombers' chances to win? I can pull up an odds calculator. The Bombers' implied odds on that is 79% uh, on an odds calculator. So pretty... Still undervalued. Still undervalued. You think it's, think it's more. So <laughs> Bombers, I would say, have a pretty good chance of winning. But as my, I told my wife that, she says, well, you said that last year, about them, and look what happened. <laughs> And I was like, oh. I always say that's why they play the games. Mm -hmm. And I am notoriously nervous and, you know, under promise, over deliver. Uh, It's almost concerning me how confident I am about this game right now. And maybe that's the thing that should be scaring me. That being said, how can you not have faith in this team with what they've done year after year after year? I think the bitter taste of the loss last year makes this team even more difficult to play against for the Alouettes. And the fact that Zach Caleros had those two pick sixes against this team earlier this year, I think also is a great benefit because those mistakes have already been made. And I don't expect Zach to make those again, considering the stage and what is on the line. Um, We'll have more time to talk about it. One more show in Winnipeg tomorrow. We'll be here. We'll break down everything with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Marat coming on tomorrow. Yeah, I got to conf- let me just confirm with him, actually. Perfect. We usually do Murad on Wednesday, so we'll look forward to having him. We'll have more from Hamilton on the Grey Cup. And uh, 
And then on Thursday, we'll fire it up from uh, the Hammer, Steel Town, home of the Grey Cup on the weekend uh, with uh, Thursday, Friday, and uh, in all likelihood, something uh, fun to give you the taste, the sights and sounds of the Grey Cup on uh, on Saturday as well. Make the most of it. And, uh, of course, coverage post-game, uh, which we'll bring back for you on a big, big show back in Winnipeg on Monday, hopefully as the Bombers' Grey Cup champions again. That is going to do it for us today. Thanks to MoCon, Jeff Hamilton, Mike McIntyre for jumping on. Everybody in chat, if you haven't already, hit that thumbs up, would you? We're, uh, we're at 159. It would be great to get that up to... 200 by the time that we're done um but with that enjoy the game tonight everybody uh maybe we'll see you there i'll be up in the 300s tonight say hi if you see me and uh, otherwise just make a point of joining us 22 hours from now one or just under 22 we went a little long today as we often do one o'clock p.m full recap of jets devils a look ahead uh, maybe actually some news from the uh, skills practice uh, tomorrow, which uh, Scott O'Neill talked about. It should be interesting. Uh, but the focus will be on tonight's game and Sunday's game for your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. And don't forget, go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest to enter in our contest for the Trevor Linden autographed jersey, the Prairie Natural Supplements, to qualify for a marble in our marble race for the last day of men's health month on November 30th for Michael Remus. I'm Andrew Patterson. See you tomorrow on WST. Enjoy the game tonight. Oh my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go. Home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg sports talk daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.